This is kind of special, I feel. I have this jar of cannabis salsa that somebody made for me, and I thought we could have some of that because it hasn't been used. What a time to be alive. What a time to be alive. You're listening to a Mutiny Transmission. You can find more podcasts, videos, books, comics, and records online at mutinyinfocafe.com. Or just stop in the store in Denver and have a coffee sometime. Every time I see Joey, he brings me a bag of edibles. And one of the times he came by, he brought me this jar of salsa and a jar of queso, cannabis oh, queso. I haven't done the queso yet. I'm like looking forward to try it. And I've been, I've been waiting for an opportune time to do this. And I figure since pretty much all we're going to do this episode is talk about bands and shows and and talk a little bit about your expertise and your background some of your experiences and and i'm really stoked to pick your brain i figured this would be a perfect time to eat weed 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 salsa weed salsa yeah Yeah. i mean i also have 30 years of marijuana smoking (laughs) (laughs) i know so you're an expert in that field too Hey, uh, welcome to episode 89 of the motherfucking podcast. Episode 89. I actually got it right this time. Episode 89. um, Man, last week we dropped something literally every day of the business week. It was uh, coming out guns blazing in... 2020 and uh and i was i was pretty stoked about that and a big part of that was thanks to this dude who is sitting right in front of me um who provided us with a couple bootleg recordings from some shows that mf ruckus and white fudge did at three kings several years ago um this guy runs the website that's the thing about that dot blogspot.com which is a bottomless archive <laughs> of of underground and you said not so underground shows that you have captured recordings of since when when did you do your first I've, recording the first in your archive? Show I recorded uh, April nineteenth, nineteen ninety nine. April nineteenth, nineteen ninety nine. So just just in there in the nineties. Smashing pumpkins. Smashing pumpkins. Queens How many the, shows? Queens of the Stone Age. No fucking way. Together, where Ogden, at? Ogden. Ogden. That's so bitching. Yeah. So to this day, how many shows have you recorded? I don't, no idea. Thousands, no idea. Thousands. Thousands. Yeah. thousands. Oh, please welcome to the show my friend and uh, and the founder of That's the Thing About That dot blogspot dot com, uh, master top secret recorder and <laughs> and weed aficionado. Please welcome to the program James Freeman. Thank you. Thanks uh, for being glad, here. Glad dude. to be here. I wish Gordo could be here. Gordo is shitting and puking his guts out. Feel better, Gordo. Yeah, he's he's just getting over his dick stones and. Oh. And then also caught whatever plague has been going around. Brutal. Well, uh, pardon, pardon me for this quick chronic break. Mm. Thanks for the nice note uh, in the Granny Tweed record, Gordo. That yeah, was, man. Uh, that was nice. We're not neighbors, though. You, I, you live near where I work. 
<laughs> well, you're kind of neighbors. Yeah. You're work neighbors. Yeah, yeah, man. It's uh, yeah, it's great to have you here, dude. I've been I've been wanting to have you f- for a while because it's been, you know, it's been mostly band people and a couple tattoo artists and whatnot. But you are certainly the most unique of our guests so far because of what your specialty is, which is bootleg recordings. Um. So you said literally thousands. Do thousands. you record? Do you record every show that you go to? Not anymore. No. There's when I first started out, like two thousand one and two, I was going to two hundred shows a year. Jesus Christ! Easily, and we're recording most of them. How many shows do you think you've been to in your lifetime? <sighs> thousands, 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 and thousands. Yeah, Wait, I've been going what, what, to see shows since. I was a teenager. What percentage of shows that you've gone to would you say that you've recorded? There's so many before I started, too. Yeah, so you wouldn't even... 60, 50, or 60? That's crazy. That's crazy. So what, what led you to decide that you wanted to start capturing these shows and, and archiving them. I mean, are you um, just an archiver by nature already? I, or I grew up taping like the Dr. Domeno show off the radio mm-hmm. and had access to stereo equipment, recording equipment in the home. I would record myself or whatever. And then as I got more and more into music, it was like, oh, wow, you know, there's – the stuff that's on TV or the radio that's not on a record, mm. and I would record stuff like that. In the so you were just like you were just dubbing stuff like off of your records and off of yeah, TV shows or, and stuff live like that. or live radio or concerts or I'd record once VHS. I tape all the live acts on Saturday Night Live or Letterman. Or right, right, right. Stuff it, like that. Like taping stuff became a hobby of yours. Yeah, I was familiar with. The mechanical part of it um, is this. Is this before you started going to shows or anything? This is just when you're a, a, was, a, wee yeah, a child, yeah, right, right, grade right. school, making radio shows and stuff like that. I used to. Me and Logan used to do a ton of that. Me and uh, Logan okay. and his brother used to just make radio shows uh, all the time. Yeah, you know fun. what I mean? Yeah. I think I think a lot of kids had that experience growing up. Yeah, access access to cassette blank cassettes and recording stuff was right. I mean, everybody had it. Right, right. One of those little. Square cassette decks with a speaker on it. Yeah, yeah. That was like the first. Yeah, the the serial killer interview special. Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know. Uh, yeah, the what what do you call it? The like the little like Remington tape deck things or whatever they were yeah. called. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I um I first you know became aware of live stuff and live bootlegs. Like you said, you say. Is that, mean, is that a derogatory term, by the that, way? Uh, like? I don't have as big a problem with it, but there's show there's tapers a, don't like there's it. There's a section of the taping community that <laughs> really the taping community. <laughs> gets bent out of shape about the B word. <laughs> the taping yeah. community. Okay, well, educate me. Ed, like, um, en- enlighten me in my ignorance it's, here. Uh, it, it, it applies, you know, like uh, reselling or. Uh, or, or like knockoff type knock of thing. Knockoff stuff. But yeah. you guys feel that you're like, or, or people from the taping community feel like they're like, we're documenting Music historical events. Right, right, right. Let it, let it, let everybody have access to it, you know, because so what is the preferred the, uh, nomenclature? Um, recordings, um, live recordings, live recording, taping, recording. There's right. some 
some there's a site uh, that hosts a lot of live stuff, and they call them uh, recordings of uh, unknown origin. Right, right, you right. Know, but right, and all, all those recordings have usually list the name of the person that taped it. Right, and too, and so. and and there's there's like a whole world. Like I have records in in our collection at home that came from Sarah's dad mm-hmm. that have like weird labels that you can't really like look up on Discogs. Yeah, you know fake, what I mean? Fake labels, fake labels, and shit like yeah. that. And they're like, it's like a live Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young concert yeah. or something like that, or or a live Dead concert. So there's, I mean, so there's been a like a market for this for a long time. People, people that love. X band want to hear everything, right? And are into that. That's who's into live recordings. And it's it's the super common in the jam band, world. Super common in the jam world. Yeah, that's that's who I mostly refer to as the rest of the taper community. <laughs> the rest <laughs> of the taper. You're like, yeah, the you know the rest of it. There, there's no, there's a lot of nice. There's a bunch of tapers in Denver. All nice dudes. Yeah, but I never see them at shows because. There at string cheese or fish right, right, or, right. You're one of the only ones doing what you do, though, right? Very few. Yeah, yeah. there's there's a handful in right. town that I know, but there's a handful that I see the recordings pop up, and I don't know who they are either. Because I mean, I I don't listen to a ton of like I listen to like the stuff I'm required to listen to at work. You know, tapings of like like Grateful Dead shows or whatever. Sure. Like they they have a huge archive or like. You know, every show, fish shows and cheese shows and Billy strings and, and bands like yeah. that. But what I'm really into is like I listen to a lot of stuff on Brown Bass. You know, like uh, we're all like uh, the Ween tapes oh, are, sure. and like yeah, yeah. and people do a lot of. Uh, I've I've seen some pretty cool shows on Jam Bass and stuff like that. So there is a whole world of it, and now we're moving into the the realm of live streaming, and yeah. you're starting to see groups pop up around that are all just for people live streaming sure. from their phones and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. And um and there's even recently been some discussion about people who are recording shows on their phones, right? Like like taping shows directly onto their the, phones and the, distributing them. The technology's getting better for that, but it's I mean it's it's like holding your phone up. Right, right. Sometimes the video, some of the audio quality on the phone is it's fine. Not super good, yeah. Sometimes it's not. Depends on a lot. There are add-on equipment, like additional stuff. There's that, like that, uh, that like little, lightning. Little, little lapel mics. It, look, it looks right, like a right. lapel mic. Have you seen the ones where it's like the uh, – it's, it's the two uh, – I'm like trying to describe it with my fingers while showing it to you, but like the little cross mics oh, that yeah, you'd see yeah. on like one of the the digital mics, but yeah. they have like a plug-in that works with an iPhone. Like you can yeah. plug that into an iPhone, and it's the same mechanics as yeah. like. I mean, there's people doing that, right? Um, those are people you, you're not going to see them, right? They're sitting up. You wouldn't know they were taping, like, right? 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 Like you wouldn't know I was taping, probably. No, actually, I remember walking up to you at a show where you were taping. Yeah. And you were like deliberately not talking because you were trying not to get yourself <laughs> on guess, my recording. Yeah, is that yeah. is that something that you have to have to do a lot? Like, uh, because I know, like at Three Kings, yeah, you had a taping rig set up. Like that, you had permission to tape shows yeah, there. Yeah, mics on the ceiling. So there was mics on the ceiling, and so you could plug in and do pretty much Be any free. show at three, yeah. Yeah. three Kings, right? Be free to walk around, have a drink, talk to people. Right, yeah. but I've seen you at other shows 
where you have to do it more on the sly. Tell me yeah. a little bit about what that process looks like. Um, when I first started going to shows, like I had these little mics that I just clipped on my glasses under my hair, quarter ran it down in the pocket. And in 99, too, they not everybody had cell phones. Right, right. So, there so was they a, weren't looking for pieces of electronic equipment that you were bringing. Well, in. they were. If like if in the crowd, like if band said, hey, no taping. Right. And they informed the venue and security gave a shit. Right. I mean, they would see you with a little light or something out in the crowd and right. know something was up. Now, everybody has a light in, right. in their hand. Right, so it's a lot easier for you to blend in now than yeah. it might have been before. And also, it's, it's part of that, too, is, like, everybody holding their phone up, recording. Right. Like, everybody can walk in with their phone. Right. But a lot of venues, I can just walk in with my recording gear. Right, right. Why? I mean, everybody's recording it. Right, right, right. But they, they, they do make a distinction between that. Some some of them. I've, depends. I, I, was I mean, it's sort of a boilerplate Venue and band thing, no recording, no recordings. Only there's a lot, a lot of bands that are cool with it, right? Don't right. care, or a lot of them just don't care, right? But then you have people with like Danzig who like doesn't even want you taking yeah. pictures, or, tool. or tools tool like that. Tools a big uh, anti-taping, anti-taping. Dude, I encourage it so much. Whenever, like, I legitimately was sad because I thought in. All the years we've been playing, we had never played a show that you taped. Uh, Like, I was like, man, like, to me, that's like an honor to be included in your archive. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's really cool. I think for someone to take the time to, like, capture and record your stuff. And I love, like, really dirty board recordings. And I love, like, even if the recording's not that good. Yeah. I can, with the, my imagination, fill parts in. Like, I like listening to a show that I went to. Sure, yeah. Even though, like, when I went to those Ween reunion shows and then the ones they did at the Mission Ballroom, I listened to those shows over and over again, even yeah. though they were just some stereo. Well, the Ween, su- Ween allows taping. Yeah. I guarantee at those Ween shows there was... Tons of tapers. Ten tapers there. Yeah. Right, right. Which, which source you end up hearing, which one gets out. right. It, there's variables and all that. I do love how in the description of some of them, it'll say like, it'll be like recorded right next to the soundboard and uh, about, you know, yeah. using this equipment to like. There are, there are people that are super anal about distance from stage positioning. Right. Like it's, I mean, there's a science to that and there's mic placement is. Right. Important, but in a big boom, boomy room. Though the, right. though the mission sounds good, but like in a big room, it sounds like the room. Yeah, yeah, and the and room doesn't necessarily translate to the recording super well. But if you've been always. at that, if, if you've been at that show, mm-hmm. or you're a fan of that band and you like know their stuff, like your mind can fill in the gaps. You know what yeah. I mean? Oh yeah. It's like you'll listen to a shitty recording of a band you love just because you love them. And I think that that's so cool. And I think that like, I think it's awesome. There's this, you know, this base of people that love listening to, you know, taped shows or like watching live streams or whatever. And I was actually having a conversation with Brad Smalling today from Evergroove. Oh, okay. And he was telling me Itchy O, because he does front of house for Itchy O. And he was telling me, 
um, that uh, so itchio over the last several years has been working on building out their or not last several years recently I say several mm. years recently like in the last year or two have been working on developing their um, live streaming technology so that they can live stream their shows oh, okay. um, Ethan Klein who did uh, our evergroove live episodes on on their uh, on their uh, channel their YouTube channel mm-hmm. and uh, also came in and did some of our live stream stuff here like they donated us some of it like they had him coming to the shows and setting up the live streams and like yeah. working on building mixes that worked for on stri- uh, on stage live streaming sure. and then Itchio just did this run of shows and they got kind of a, a firm reprimand from Live Nation for recording for recording for recording their own show uh, because Live Nation wants a piece of that well, because of the way that the industry is going and so many people are enjoying the things they like from the comfort of their own home. Right. You know, like I'm looking to buy a, a, a Mevo setup in like the next two weeks so I can start live streaming our shows. Like this is something like you're seeing a lot more people. The, the, the technology is becoming a lot more consumer grade, you know. Yeah. And Live Nation, they have – a company a that they hire out and so you got to hire their company if you want to do it and sure. and they'll you know they'll blacklist you if you try and tape your own shows and it's not against the fans at all because they know that people are going to come in there with cell phones and record the right. shows yeah but it's totally they're going after the bands on it they're like nope you can't bring in your own stuff that, you that's not uncommon livation there's right. venues that are like Oh, well, you know, no tapers because we'll tape it for you. They have their own taping right, right, setups right. or some places are union rules about taping or not taping. Right. Um, have you ever have you ever run into anybody who tried to shut you down? Uh, have you ever been caught? Uh, <laughs> caught in the act? I, I, uh, I almost got caught Mr. Bungle at the Fox in 99. That was pre-cell phone, so I'm standing there looking at my deck. <laughs> And the security guy sees me and he like, hey, hey, you, he like points me out. And I just was hanging. I was with like five, six friends. So yeah, I'm yeah. like, I'm out of here. And he tried to come through all them and they sort of blocked his way and he never found me. And I recorded <laughs> the show. Do you have that on recording of you yeah. getting like, you do? It's uh, like, that's not on the recording because I was just setting up the show. I hadn't started yet. Oh. But, did you end up managing to get the show? Oh, yeah. yeah. That's fucking awesome. Are you going to try and go get the uh the reunion show? No, that sold out too quick. Yeah, yeah, it sold out. Dude, you can't get tickets to anything anymore, man. Yeah. It's crazy. And I think, I was telling Brad, I think that's a big reason why um, Live Nation is harping so much on this live streaming thing is it's, they're struggling to get butts and seats because, you know, third party Apps and things like that are driving the prices way up. Live Nation themselves has like, what, 30% fees that they add on to things. And like, uh, you know, they've jacked up the prices so high that like ticket sales are down across the board at like, do you go to his- and, And it's the live streamer's fault. And it's the live streamer's fault. <laughs> Elaborate on that. <laughs> no, it's not. It's you, right. Oh, you were being facetious. Yeah, yeah. Live Nation. Oh, 
Oh, boo-hoo. It reminds me. We're not selling enough tickets because we raised the prices so high. Right. Dude, they did. It's like the the recording industry lost their asses on on streaming services. And then so they diverted their energies into live concerts, drove up the price of concerts, and now people are starting to... Go out less already because of streaming services and more options of things to do. Yeah. You know, and and people don't want to pay the outrageous prices for the shows. And, like, I feel like they're just kind of clutching at straws, you know what I mean? Rather than adapting to the swing of the industry. Yeah. If that makes sense. Because that's the same thing that happened with Napster. You know, yeah. it's, it's like the recording industry, instead of going, okay, this is the way that hey, things are going to go. Hey, we need to put up go, our own site. We need to figure out a way to make yeah. this work. They just fought it tooth and nail, and it ended up becoming a bigger monster than it would have yeah. been in the and first now, place. But now they've basically taken over Spotify. Yeah, right. Any of those streaming <laughs> services. And yeah, bands so- make pennies, and all the money goes to right. record companies. Tier, right. boo-hoos. God, dude. They I, recovered. I have, I have a... I have a tough relationship with Spotify because it's like, yeah, that's not cool. At the same time, uh, I really want people to have access to my stuff. Right. You know what I mean? And Spotify's, you know, they, they've they surpassed Pandora to my knowledge. Sure, yeah. Pandora sucks now. Pandora like, dropped the ball. And so got, big. They got, all of them got tied up in... Licensing and mechanical royalties. They should have stayed with that music genome project thing, man. They should have stayed with that. That was such a good fucking idea, man. And they dropped the ball. But yeah, yeah, they uh, Spotify. You know, if a band isn't on Spotify, they don't get heard by the general public. You're shooting yourself on the foot. I've talked to bands that are like, no, we're not on Spotify because they rip off artists. And I'm like, how much money are you making in the music business to begin with? Yeah, you know, do you? are, are you like a YouTube channel guy? Like, do you follow any YouTube channel? Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Do you like to you like to go down a rabbit hole on YouTube? Sure, yeah. There's this channel called the Punk Rock MBA okay. that I just started following, and I actually added them on Patreon recently. You know, throw him a buck a month just because I think what, sure. what the guy's doing is yeah, cool. Yeah. But most of what he's done is 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 he does approach. The DIY underground music ethos and and history from this very like um, business minded kind of academic perspective. Yeah, and most of the stuff he's done is like you know he did a video of like what happened to this kind of music, what kind, what what caused this. I think I've I think I've seen that he goes. Well, why is uh why is skate punk not a thing anymore? Right, Same right. Guy? What what killed what killed alternative metal? You yeah. Know? What killed this stuff? And da da da. And he does I've seen that guy. Yeah. Yeah. He. I watched this one he did, and the one that got convinced me to back him is he was talking about. I think it's the video is called like Why is music worthless? Like and he was he was talking about just the basic business idea of supply and demand. And he's like, as supply goes up, demand goes down, and the price goes down as well. And he goes, you do not decide the value of your music. He's like, yeah. it sucks to hear it, but you don't decide it. He's like, it's it's you know, it's priceless to you, but it's me. It's worthless to the market. The market decides what your music is worth. Yeah. And that may be sad, and that may be heartbreaking, and all these things, but. 
You just need to figure out how to work within that system. And he kind of breaks down like you need a business plan. You need this. Da, 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 da. But I loved how forthright he was about this idea of just like you don't decide what it's worth monetarily. Yeah. And I think many of my fellow musicians and I have been very stubborn about that point and going, you know, you know, people need to be better to bands. Like the yeah. fans need to be better to bands and venues yeah. need to be better to bands and promoters need to be better to bands and all this stuff. And it's like every download theft. Yeah. Lost yeah, yeah. sale. Yeah, How man. dare you listen to my music for free? Yeah, man. Seriously. And I, I get it. I get it too, but I would much rather like, like I would much rather look at those numbers on Spotify and see that someone is listening even if I'm not getting any money from it, somebody is listening regularly yeah. because they use that app and that's where they listen to music and they have us added to playlists and the algorithms work such that they put us into heavy rotation and we're not packing rooms or anything, but we go to towns and there's two or three fucking dudes that we don't know that, that, are, stand, you, yeah. that, that are into us because yeah. they, they heard us at the thing. So, I mean, so with regard to... Taping and live streaming, like I feel like, and Ethan from Evergroove, he made this point that putting that stuff out there, all it does is drive ticket sales. All it does is drive interest yeah. in the band because you see a live stream of some badass band that you had never heard of, or you put out a tape of something like, dude, I've, I've, I, your feed must be buried out of the algorithm because I haven't seen you post I don't do – I, I, I just posted um, two recordings from 2005 and six of uh, a Portland band called uh, I Can Lick Any Son of a Bitch in the House. Oh, yeah. Michael Dean Dameron's yeah. band. Yeah. Shout out to Mike D. Yeah. Dude. Hell yeah. Dude, he's a good guy. Man. Yeah, totally. He uh, he does the booking at um, at Dante's in Portland. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, man. He's yeah, a good guy. Super good dude. Super yeah, good we, dude. We, yeah. We used to love having him at Three Kings. Dude. Yeah. I don't do any. Uh, yeah. It's it's buried. I don't do any like site optimization. Right. I'm right. not necessarily chasing an audience. I do it. This is all. I only record shows because I want to do it. Right, right, right. I don't – it's for my enjoyment. Right. If other people enjoy it, that's cool. That's why I don't – I I don't uh, – I post at my own schedule too. Right, right. Some months right. are busy. I got a full-time job, a wife. Right, right, right. Going to shows. I don't necessarily time to sit and edit. It's your, it's your little hobby room. Yeah. But you have like – an insane archive. Yeah, it's not like Aaron say insane, but like. yeah, okay. Yeah, well, Aaron, I mean, it's it probably rivals it. I mean, Aaron has been has been videotaping shows forever. But I, that's like, how I met him. He oh, was, is taping? He was a high school high school at a was Super Suckers and Throw Rag at the Bluebird, I think. And him and he had two of his friends shooting multi-cam really and he saw me taping and was like oh yeah, i think i can get the audio from that so we, we're gonna make a we're gonna make a video i'm like oh yeah sure that's I, awesome dude yeah. that's awesome and i think that that's such an important thing like the people that the people that catalog and they archive that stuff you know because it's like a show only happens once yeah you know and if you tape it like if you can 
if you can create a record of that, like there are so many, like the bands that are viewed as iconic in like the world of like underground music, punk rock and metal and things like that. Sure. Many of those bands were done by the time that type of music became popular and mainstream or, or, you know, became household names. Like the dead Kennedys were probably long gone before they ever became the household name that they are now. You know what I mean? Or even the misfits is another example of that, you know, bad brains like black flag was done before they were, you know, but I remember seeing um, this really bad old video of Operation Ivy. Oh, sure. You know, and I was like, man, I wish there was more stuff out there about this band. I wish there was more video. I wish there was more, like, I wish I knew more about their story other than, you know, their music and that, like, and the music's awesome and it speaks for itself. but, But, you know, other than, oh, this is... This like seminal punk ska band that then led to Rancid and then they yeah. just end up kind of being a footnote to Rancid. You know what I mean? So I think it's great like that living in the age we have now, everybody has that technology in their pocket and there's people. YouTube and Spotify, like, like any band pretty much. Right. It's, any band can get on Spotify. It's like radio you program yourself. Yeah. Kind of. Not everyone can get onto Pandora either. We, for the first time, have a single on Pandora. Oh, a single, okay. dude, for the first time. And, like, our label even tried to push in our last album, and I think it, I think it got disapproved somehow. It just end, didn't end up getting in. Mm, I don't know why. That's, yeah. that's their bad, I guess. Yeah, no, or... it's, it's totally their bad, dude, because people who are into indie bands, DIY underground bands like you and me, mm-hmm. We're going to go to this platform that all the DIY indie underground artists are on. Yeah. And any major artist who has any common sense. Yeah. Like the fact that Prince and Bob Seeger weren't on Spotify for a long time, I'm just like, ah, that sucks. It just means I'm not going to hear your stuff. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It means I have to take that extra step to listen to your stuff. And I don't know if you've noticed it, but there's a billion bands in the world. Yeah. There's there's probably a trillion songs. Prince and Bob Seger, though. They can get away with it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, hey, I get it. I get it. And they're from, a, they're from a different time in the business, and I totally get that. But it's like when I want to listen to music, it's a, it's a snap decision. You know yeah. what I mean? Like people, people aren't going to take a ton of steps to listen to you, even if you are Prince or Bob Seger. Yeah. You people, know I, people aren't. I'm not a typical musical fan. I don't think you know. I th- just based on listening to live tapes, live recordings. Most people don't want anything to do with that. They don't hear that. They're like, it sounds like shit. It sounds bad. Yeah, it's. You know, they're just their interest level is not that. Right. It takes a super fan of any particular band to. But those are the type of people that you want going to your site. Yeah. Are the type of people who are like love a band so much that they'll listen to a bad recording of them. Like, not that I'm putting up bad recordings. Not that you're putting. <laughs> no, not that. That's the thing too. That recording that you, those recordings that you gave me. Which, by the way, thank you so much sure, for that. Yeah. Like, um, I put both of those up the same week, and and I listened to them, and it made me. 
it made me so nostalgic and it like I you know I mentioned in that Facebook post that ruckus show a lot of milestones there in dude that. that was that was during a period of time when I got like I said in the post I really wasn't sure if we were gonna make it it's pretty early in MF ruckus well but history but, no well MF ruckus is just a milestone in an overarching fourth career. year freshman. Yeah, fourth year freshman and all that into stuff. That, yeah. So it was it was this period of time where like, you know, I had just turned 30 not too long before that. And actually, well, 2012, yeah, I would have just been 30 in 2012 and 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 I know that the guys had doubts as to where it was going. And, you know, I was tangled up in legal issues and I was going through a divorce yeah. and living in a fucking laundry room with a sheet for a door. And, you know, I, uh, I, I was, you know, struggling with drugs and alcohol and, and was losing the, you know, cause like, you know, Tay and I are cool now. He's my friend. Yeah. But it'll never be like it was when he was in the band because it was just such a painful experience for both of us. You know what I mean? Yeah. And we changed his people as a result of that. You know, he, you know, we used to be like the, as close to brothers as, as any, as, as, as I was with my brother. You know what I mean? Like mm. we were the closest thing we could have been. All those guys. And it was right at that moment that like, a whole lot of things all changed at the same time. And that show was, I think everybody that was on that stage that night was drunk and upset and, and doubtful. And, and I had always remembered that show being a lot worse. Yeah. And then I listened to that recording and I'm like, man... Would, those sure were some crazy times, and it still sounds pretty good. I mean, it's it, it it sounds like a different band, but it still sounds pretty fucking good, man. Ah, that was great, man. I'm glad we got together and we did that. I'm glad we did those last three songs together, and it it, it just took me right back to it. And I just like that is a thing that you can get with a live recording that you can't you can't get anywhere else. Yeah, you know. Though if if I had sent that to you. Right after the show, you would have listened to it different light. With different ears, yeah. T I, eight years on, you haven't been nostalgic about it. Though. Right. Because there's a lot of people, a lot of um, people that have, like, oh, do you want to you hear hear this? No. I always want to hear A lot of people don't want to hear what they're, they're, they sound like playing. Right. I I've always want to hear it. plenty of people in bands go, nope. I've always wanted to hear it. I've, al I've always... <laughs> I've always been curious if it sounded as good or as bad as I thought it sounded or looked. Yeah. Which it it's never the same. Yeah. You know. Even like being at a show, you know, you forget you forget how much the lights and the elevation of the stage and the sound system and the atmosphere and the alcohol, you forget how much that really influences your performance. And the show does not look the same to the audience as it looks to you on stage performing yeah. it. Yeah. Well, all those things affect the my end of it, too. The 
my view of it. Right. Crowd's all drunk. You get a lot more crowd noise. Right. You get a lot more just so, sometimes in a positive way, you know, crowd you can tell like is into it. Right, right. Like on that uh, I, one of the like, I can lick any son of a bitch in the house, they, uh, they do a two-cow garage cover. And in the middle, they kind of just break down and, and just goes quiet. And he just sings along and the whole crowd sings along with him. That's really and cool. And it's – was listening back to it, I was like, "Ooh, cool!" That's what you want, man. Yeah, that's what you want. But then other times, band does the crowd doesn't care, doesn't care about the band that's on stage. You can hear how small the show is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what that show was like, dude. Like, I'm listening to the show that you sent us, and it was like, I remember it being sparsely attended because it was. I can't remember what night of the week was, but but I know that. That was a series of shows that that people were putting on to help Karen yeah. out. And I think that particular show just fell on a day of the week where it didn't get much of a turnout or or it was kind of last minute or whatever. Yeah. And, and and you can hear her in the crowd yeah. <laughs> and maybe a few other people. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, but it, God, it's like, like my favorite records have always been live records. Yeah. You know, I heard uh, the Vandals sweat into the oldies. My that favorite is, face-to-face record is that is such a good record. record. Yeah, what's the one of Would it be right if I should leave? What's that, dude? Uh, the live version of that is so fucking good. Yeah, what what's the name of that song? Do you know the name of it? <sighs> I'm blanking on the song title. Like I was never a huge face-to-face fan. Yeah, that. But then I heard record. that recording of that song. And I like, dude, that's my favorite face-to-face that song. That was the first face-to-face record I heard, and it kind of ruined me for the, their albums. Right. I listened to them after, and it was like, I don't know, I kind of like that live version way better. Sweat to the Oldies kind of ruined um, the Vandals' previous records for me yeah, a little okay. bit. You know, they, like, they had a couple sweet spots. Like, I had seen Suburbia, so I was familiar with the Steve-O stuff. Uh-huh. But I got into sweating to the oldies first. Okay. That was my entry point. So it's Warren Fitzgerald, Dave Quackenbush, Josh Freeze, yeah. and fucking Joe Escalante playing live and Warren acting like a maniac. Yeah. And just the like the stills from the documentary. Like I wanted to see that documentary so <laughs> bad. But you know, I'm 14, 15 years old and I don't know yeah. I don't know where to find it. You know, right. the, the, the inter the internet was just getting cracking and I, I didn't know where to find anything like that. Right. You know? Probably could couldn't yeah you probably could have gotten it off of like a mail order catalog or something like that you could have gotten it off of something but i just remember loving how wild and noisy and erratic it was and i loved hearing that crowd sounded insane like you listen to that album that crowd sounds insane yeah it sounds sweaty and and like that's what i came to understand a punk rock show was like. Yeah. You know? And that, like, for better or worse, shaped my reality in a lot of ways for, you know, what a punk rock show should... I mean, dude, it definitely shaped me as a performer, for sure. Yeah. You know, looking at it from that that live perspective. I even remember um, my dad showed me Woodstock. Uh Uh-huh. You know? And it's just, like, these tapings of these people that were thwacked out of their fucking yappers yeah. on stage in front of, you know, half a million people. Yeah. 
Hey, how many people were at Woodstock? It was about a half a million Something people, like wasn't that. it? Yeah. It was peak. crazy. At its peak, it was like a half million people. And you're looking at like Richie Havens tripping his balls off, you know, and like Hendrix at six in the morning. Hendrix at six in the fucking morning. Um, Joe Cocker. Just, he didn't just get up either. Oh, no, yeah, no, Joe yeah. Cocker. Joe was. Cocker was. Joe Cocker was like the best. I would watch that part. Like I had my parts of the the you know DVDs are still pretty new at this time, so mm. I would like I would just skip through to my favorite parts, and you know there were sorry Joan Baez. <laughs> I, I mean, <laughs> you know that's the thing. I would probably look at that now and be able to appreciate it yeah. because I'm I'm an adult, you know. But at that time, I wanted to see the fucking crazy people. Yeah, you know, I wa- I even wanted to see Shauna Na. You know, that was fucking weird. You know, or <laughs> they or still like did. like. Even to me, The Who came off as a little anemic on that just because they were so fucked up. You know mm, what I mean? Yeah. And then you like watch The Who at the Isle of Wight and it's a totally different thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that that was just like, that was electric. That was amazing. You know? You can pick up on those things yeah. in a way that you can't pick up on that stuff from a, from a studio record. You know, and I don't know about you, but I've always been one of those type of people who is, I who someone is in a band matters to me, and I don't necess- and I don't want that to be mistaken as saying who they are morally, right, right, yeah, but who they are, who they are as a character, who they are as an individual that matters to me. Yeah, that they're a piece of the whole, right? Like that it was real guys and gals that were making that stuff. Yeah, you know, I can. I can really dive into that. It's part of the reason I, you know, sorry, I, this is going to get me kicked out of the rock and roll club, <laughs> but it's one of the reasons, like, I never really got into Motley Crue is I learned about who they were as people, and I was like, meh. Yeah, I came into Motley Crue, like, I was a 13-year-old wearing a Motley Crue t-shirt. Right. That my grandma really did not like. <laughs> <laughs> and I saw them five six times so when you were, well, when you were 13 like yeah. they were fully relevant that like, was like just before shout of the devil came out oh and, wow and uh just was, before shout of the devil came out so that was because that was 84 so was are we thir- talking pre too fast for love you no 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 I was, I was in Cheyenne, wyoming so i heard too oh. fast for love like first oh but was too young to go like i didn't see them open for uh, Ozzy, like Bark in the Moon. Right, right, I, right. I wasn't old enough to go to that. I didn't catch them until um, Theater of Pain. But then I saw like every tour after that up until the right up until the nineties when I was like, ah, I'm not, I'm not going to the Pepsi Center. I'm going to go see <laughs> the metal bands, you know, right, right. At wherever. Right. And there, well, the see, I got into. I was introduced to Motley Crue pretty late in the game because I was introduced in the early 2000s. Yeah. So by no, that I, time, the dirt was out and, you know. They, it, their it was, music was terrible. Well, and it was <laughs> it was when that whole butt rock renaissance thing was going on and there was a lot, a lot of those bands were first starting to do their reunion tours. Yeah. And, and it was first starting to get cool again to have the big teased hair and the – and the dangly earrings and, and you know, worship a bunch of heroin addicts. And, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. There, was that, there was that period of time in the 2000s where it was cool. And, you know, I, I liked what I heard around the house. Of course, I loved, you know, like Livewire and, yeah. and shit like that. 
But then we went on a tour and we read the dirt, you know, we passed it around till the pages fell out. Yeah. And I just remember being like, man, there's really no one in that band who is very likable. You know, then, you know, you turn around and you read like the Slash book and you read um, Lemmy's book, you know, you read things like that and you go, oh, or like Willie Nelson's, one of Willie Nelson's books. You know, you read, you read that and you can, you, even though they're writing with ghostwriters, you know, they're writing with people who help them write it. So I think the process with that, because I've always been curious about that. I think the process with that is you sit down and you have a conversation, they record you and then they transcribe it and punch it transcribe up. Transcribe events and yeah. Yeah. They punch put they, quotes in. Right. And add in little uh idiosyncrasies, you know, like in in the dirt you've got all of Tommy Lee's dudes, because he says <laughs> dudes so much. And they actually like wrote that into the story. It's like, I know he didn't write this. <laughs> but you added in like, dude, so there I am. Like Yeah. So it, but you can get a lot about a person's character. Yeah through even reading something like that filtered through an author. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. Or even like you were saying, like the band members matter, like seeing a band. Right. And if they're dicks to each other right. on stage, it can be like a real... Doesn't that bum you out when yeah. like a band doesn't, bands don't like each other? Yeah. I saw Smashing Pumpkins on one of the first Lollapaloozas, that's yeah. the third one, and... Uh, uh, Billy Corgan's like talking shit to James Ahi, like right. knock it off, James, cut the shit. Like uh, he was chewing him out, and yeah, you don't want to see that. No, it sucked. My wife was like, "What an asshole!" Let's go, and I was like, "No way!" Here, yeah. come, here come the 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 deep cuts. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just tune it out. Yeah. Just tune out the. No- not, we don't got to invite him Thanksgiving. Yeah, but Billy Corgan's an asshole. <laughs> That's the <laughs> thing, though, is I don't think he's a full time asshole. No. Um. You know, I think he gets characterized as one a lot. Yeah. Uh, but did you listen to the the Joe Rogan with Billy Corgan? I, I think I probably did, yeah. He seemed to me to be a pretty cool guy in that discussion. Yeah. But the feeling the feeling that I get is that he's one of those my way or the highway type of guys. He's like a Frank Zappa type, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Frank Zappa... Some like I've heard all these horror stories about him, but things I've observed in him with like, like in in interviews or if you see like the little side off camera interactions he has with certain people during like the, uh, Baby Snakes. Have you seen Baby Snakes before? Not forever. It's yeah, I know, I know what it you is. know what I'm talking yeah. about though. Like the the documentary yeah, about yeah. Frank Zappa on yeah. tour, like. He seems like he's a tough boss, but he seems like he's a pretty fucking all right guy with a good sense of humor. You yeah. know what I mean? And that stuff really appeals to me. You know, like, at the same time, how do you feel about when a band does have a falling out? Do you want to know the story? Uh, I mean, I guess it depends on... The situation. Most of the time, I does. You don't care. I you don't. don't care. You, you don't want to know about what 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 led to what happening. I like knowing. I, that I, stuff. I I mean, I do. I'll read that stuff. But in general, like, I'm not one of those. I'm not a big fanboy. Like, I'm not trying right. to meet. I've met lots of musicians over the years. That's a thing I've noticed about you. For like, sure. 
I don't. What am I going to say to them? Oh, great show! You know they don't want to hear that. Well, you've you know, been you know. to like two thousand, three thousand shows. Yeah, you've been to so many. Well, let's let's think about it. Let's say on average. So like averaging, so you said hundred a year easily. Averaging a hundred a year over time because during there was a period of time where you were doing two hundred a year easily. So yeah. we'll say that over the past how many years have you been going to a hundred shows a year? Twenty since I've been taping. Yeah, yeah. So two thousand shows. Yeah. Two thousand shows at least. Yeah. You know, conservatively two thousand shows. What? changes over 2,000 shows of in terms of your experience of seeing a band play in terms of like what it means to you is it just like is it all noise to you at a certain point is it just not exciting to you is it what? I mean it, it can still be exciting depends on depends on the show like right if uh, like I went to see Flag and Molly Social Distortion um who else? Uh, La Butcherettes were on that. Right. And I was most excited to see La Butcherettes. And we got there and watched them play to nobody. Right. And then the rest of the show, I you know, I like Social Distortion and Blog and Molly, but we just sat up in the bleachers and we're like, yeah, yeah cool. that's cool. <laughs> we you can know? say we saw that. Yeah. You know, that's not going down on the most memorable show of last right. year, but it's so still a good time. What goes down as, like, and I'm not asking you to pin one down. Sure. But what are the character out of 2,000 shows? What are the characteristics that raise some above the others? Like, what are the characteristics of the two percent of that 2,000? Yeah. You know that makes them amazing. Um, if it's a band I'm really super into, and I know that they're still performing it, you know, the right. show's going to be great. Right. Um, that's exciting. Um, but, like, uh, went to see Laura Jane Grace from Against Me. She mm-hmm. had a solo record. She mm-hmm. played the marquee um, at the beginning of the year. And I saw the two opening bands. No idea who they were. And we walked in, and just the second I heard the music, I was like, okay, we need to, we need to get in there. It just was – you could just – Feel the energy right, right. from the music. And uh, we got in there. It was this band from Philadelphia, Control Top. Control Top. Control Top. They have a great record came out last year called uh, Covert Contracts. And it's kind of angular punk rock, post-punk right. kind of stuff. Kind of screamy vocals, but t- legible. Just really good. I walked in there and was like right up to the front. Right, right, right. You know, note, heard not note one. Right. You know, and then I've bought the record and listened to it all year. One of my top really plays, yeah. Because you, you got to have that um, that discovery experience that is like so important. Yeah. And it's like we were having a discussion a couple episodes back. I know you listen once in a while, yeah. so I wasn't I, – I, I don't know if you heard the discussion, but we were talking about kind of that discovery With factor. Who, who was it? I, I can't remember yeah, because we've we've had that discussion a couple times. People, yeah. yeah, you know what I mean. Just that that idea of like. I mean, it's kind of rare. I mean, especially I've seen a lot of shows. It's I'm not uh, you, I'm not unimpressible, you know. But right, like, but you've seen a lot of shows. I've and seen that, it. And I can I can go. Oh yeah, that's great. I mean, they're they're these guys are bringing it, but right. I'm not like holy shit. That's 
Because I'll tell you, this dude, it. I've probably been to a hundred shows that I haven't played. Uh, oh, well, you know, yeah, you play a lot. Yeah, you know, you know what I mean? Because it's like, first of all, I will flat out own the fact that I have been a lazy, bad fan <laughs> and and uh, and have not been as supportive of my local scene as I probably should. That being said, we all only have so much time, and and like you heard in the Karen episode, is yeah. that rock or be rocked thing, you know? So it's like I love playing shows with my friends. So sometimes the only bands I get to see, and some of my favorite bands, as a result, yeah. end up being the bands that we play with. Sure, but you've been you've been to more shows than ninety eight percent of the population worldwide. Yeah, probably. will. Will ever go to in a lifetime? Ever even want to? Ever even want to go to? <laughs> you know, and and so I think, I think it's important for anybody who wants to be a, a performer to to hear that perspective. You know, of like, like it takes a lot to to stand out because I'm sure most of the shows you've gone to are kind of all a blur, right? Which is a good uh, to, to some degree. I mean, there's, it depends on the show. Like, eh, hey, maybe I'll walk down to three Kings tonight and just watch the bands play. Yeah. yeah, yeah, now, yeah I don't yeah. necessarily remember any of those sets necessarily. Right. They really, really stood out. Right. In some way. Right. How are some of the other ways that, it, that that shows have stood out for you? Like, what are some of the shows that have stood out for you? Um, I saw Billy Ray Cyrus at the Lions Lair. <laughs> Did you? Not, no, not Billy Ray Cyrus. Pardon me. No, not Billy Ray Cyrus. <laughs> I, got, I got that on the brain from uh, seeing that poster out in the front. That uh, is one hell of a wrong name. <laughs> I saw Billy Ray Cyrus at the Lions there. What? <laughs> no, they no. wouldn't let him in. His idea was expired. <laughs> <laughs> who, uh, who, who else did you? See? So, who did you see the Lions? Um, Billy Joe Shaver. Oh, you saw Billy? I saw actually in the in the files that you sent me. I saw that in there. Yeah, that's fucking awesome. He, and he played to nobody. It was so sad. Billy was, Joe like, Shaver played to nobody. There was. The, I don't know if you remember at the Lions Lair, the stage used to be behind the bar. The bar, yeah. And so the band was set up there, and like every bar stool was filled, and that was it. That was the crowd that was for there to Billy see him. For Billy Joe Shaver. For Billy Joe Shaver. And he played, he played like an hour. He's like, hey, why don't y'all stand up for this next song? You know, and he, we all stand up because it's Billy Joe Shaver. Like everybody that's there was like, knew who he was. Was like, right, right. It. But I'm like, come on, Denver, 20 people yeah. for Billy Joe Shaver? And we all stood up, and he played, starts playing the other song. And he's like, "Oh, y'all can sit down now." Can sit down now. <laughs> he's like, "He's like, I, we we don't have to make a thing out of this. I know, I know where I am. I know who I am." Yeah. That that just was that was a great one. I mean, I don't think he's come back to town since. So. That is such a that's such an interesting thing to consider. Is it's like before new media and mass media. The issue was getting the word out to people that something was going on or, like, finding yeah. the market for it or, like, seeking those people out. And often, like, the lair didn't. Yeah, yeah, there yeah. Was, maybe there was an ad with the. Nobody's with buying the ads. NIPP, maybe. Maybe in, like, the Westward or, like, may, the, maybe. Like, maybe it's listed down in the little. They used to have a column. I don't remember that in the back of Westward. Yeah, it was yeah, like, yeah. 
lists of the venues and then it had really tiny print. Yeah, like, I remember that. Then. Upcoming shows and yeah. you would go looking through that. I remember looking through that and being like, oh, cool. This, you know, yeah. there's nothing cooler than seeing your band name uh, yeah. in the show listings in the back of the Westward. Like, as a young Denver kid, that was like, that was huge. Yeah. I thought, I, dude, I thought I was, I thought I was a fucking rock star when I had regular listings in the fucking Westward, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, that was that shit like that where you d- didn't expect it, or I knew that was going to be great. I right. kind of figured there would be more people there. But, right. Well, you know. but that's 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 kind of what I'm saying. That's the interesting thing, is like now you can find out anything about anything yeah. with a device in your pocket. Like you can tap into the entirety of human information. You know every artist tour. You can get. You can find out what their thoughts are when they're taking a shit, you know what I mean, live on Instagram. And now the issue is there's still 20 people going to shows. Like, uh, Billy Joe Shaver has since passed away, hasn't he? No, he's still alive. He's still alive? Oh, man, that's awesome. So, like, pre him shooting the guy in the bar. Right, 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 right. (laughs) I thought, wait, I thought that was, um, that was Johnny Paycheck, wasn't it? Or did Billy Joe Shaver shoot a guy? Billy too? Joe Shaver shot a guy like in the in the aughts, I think. Oh, that aughts or early. That's right. Teens. They did. That's yeah. right. They did talk about. Have you seen that um, Mike Judge <laughs> series? I haven't seen that. I want to see that. Yeah, it's the, so the, the, fucking good, dude. He picked the best. He picked the best artists. Like he he picked this good mix of like old like rhinestone royalty and like lesser knowns like but super influential people like Billy Joe Shaver and like uh-huh. Blaze Foley and things sure. like that. So like if Billy Joe Shaver came through today, it would probably be 20 people again, but it would probably be due to the fact that there is so much competition yeah. that there's 50 other shows going on just within his yeah. subgenre yeah. that night. I mean, I mean, that's uh I hear people complain about, oh, bands, nobody comes to Denver. It's like, are you, are you not paying attention? Like, Dude, there's shows going on all the time. You could go see time. music seven nights a week. That's all people. And have, and have five different choices. Oh, yeah. You and could go to multiple like that for, shows. Yeah, I've done, I've done that too. I know you have. <laughs> I know you have. And that's like, dude, that's like our problem is when we play – the category of people that would be drawn to see us play are the the people in Denver who like to go see, you know, live local rock and roll bands play. Yeah. You know, it, like we know we're, here we will always be a local band. There's nothing we can do about that. We accept that we play our part. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, we've got to export ourselves to to seem like anything special. So, but the crowd that is going to go see local rock and roll bands play has, especially on a Friday or Saturday night, they have at least 10 to 15 other venues that are producing all local shows that night in addition to whatever national acts are playing at the major headliners, which in many cases have locals opening for it. You know what I mean? Like there are shows going on all the time. And I think kind of what, what you're talking about is people do so love to have something to complain about. <laughs> it's, yeah. You know, nobody comes to shows anymore. It's like actually a lot of people go to shows, but yeah. there's a lot more shows for them to go to. Yeah. You know, and again in that um, uh, that punk rock NBA channel 
that I was telling you about. He did this other video. And uh, and by the way, you should definitely go check out uh, Punk Rock NBA and subscribe because that dude has that dude has some important knowledge on there that yeah. is that is worth sharing. I kind of had some cool about his why did what happened to the death metal? Right, right, I'm right. Like it's still happening. Right, right. I think. I think <laughs> but what he's talking more about is like there was Certain a time period periods, of time, yeah, the nineties like, death metal, dude. Like like bands like Napalm Death, like Napalm Death still does okay. But they're not doing what they used to do when death metal was. They're probably the shit. probably doing better. Fans like that and Cannibal Corpse. That yeah, would come through and play the Bluebird or put, like yeah. odd size venues. It depends on the band. Did but. you go to that Morbid Angel Cannibal Corpse show? Yeah, that was packed. Yeah, sold out. Yeah, that one was sold out. Yeah, yeah. So maybe maybe they are doing better now. The like the death metal bands. I th- I think. But one of the things he talks about is 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 rock dying. And it's like, yes, and it's Rock's fault. It's like yeah. the bands that are are huge right now. Like he gives the example of like I can't remember the guy's name, but he's um, he's married to Kylie Jenner, or he's Kylie Jenner's baby daddy, and and he he sells out shows three times what Metallica draws. You know, he's this just major rap star, just huge. Yeah. Like one of the things he talks about in this video is he's like, there are no bands, there are no mainstream rock bands with members that just have this massive star power. Yeah. It's like, it's like there is an, an underground world of it, but the whole thing is like, is like, we don't want to sit at your table. We've got our own thing going on and blah, 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 blah. And then on the other hand, going like, hey, why aren't we being included in the conversation? Like, why doesn't anybody give a shit about rock anymore? And it's like, anyway, it's, yeah. a, it's, an, it's an interesting thing. Rock's a tough one because it's, it's so generic, sort of. Like, there's whole... It is uh, a generic term. Groups yeah. built around, like, like metal... Even though there's lots of divisions, metal like right. grindcore people don't go see Five Finger Death Punch, right? Even though they're all uh, metal, they might, they might, yeah. But I mean, but they're probably huge. Not. They're huge, but the the like the like super the super fans tend to be very genre specific. Like it's like I like only Norwegian black metal, yeah. or I like only you only know, symphonic Finnish metal. <laughs> right. Forget. Norwegian symphonic metal, or or like early tech death metal yeah. from 1995 to 1999. Yeah. Like that's like the only stuff that they. Like. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, but rock like that's very super broad suckers tour tour like crazy like right. And they, I saw them play the Gothic like once, but they always would play like Bluebird. How come they never? Well, and it's even going there right an down audience. Yeah, that's. Globe. I think they're just playing Globe Hall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, they haven't changed what they're playing. I think a lot of that is scaling, is just scaling down, though. I think because of the whole supply and demand thing that we talked about, like you look at like conflict and Dillinger Escape Plan Mm. and Nashville Pussy all played streets. You know? Yeah. And when Nashville Pussy played streets, they're. I mean, honestly, dude, we we had the crowd at their peak, and it was it wasn't a huge crowd. Okay, you know what I mean? Like the it, especially for a place like Streets, like I expected it to be packed. Yeah, what is it? Wall, hundred people, hundred twenty. I, 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 I want to I want to say it was 
it was it was maybe a hundred people there, and I want to say streets kept capacity is probably two hundred or something like that. I mean, I'm just sounds, throwing, sounds about right. Just yeah. throwing a number out there, but but it, you see these bands that are they're playing way smaller venues, but I feel like it's because they're still at the same level, but in a way scaled down market because of the, the saturation of, of artists that are out there and yeah. the competition that's going on and things like that. Like to, to be an artist, you have to go tour. Right. To make a go of it. Right. Kind of nationally. Like I remember we did, uh, we did super suckers at three Kings and I was, to me, Super Suckers were a fucking a major band. Like for us yeah. to be able to play with them, we were like, "Dude, this is this is it, man. We're playing with the Super Suckers. That this this could really open some doors for us." And we played the show, and it was like to them, I could tell it seemed like a step down. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like when we played with Dio Disciples, these guys that were once gods of the arenas are playing Herman's Hideaway and sharing a green room with us. Yeah. And you could tell that they're salty about it, man. You could tell. Like it was written all over their faces that they were like, there's like, this is what we have to do. Yeah. Yeah, let's go exploit our dead uh, lead singer from Dio. We we have to play Herman's. Dude, they They should be grateful. Right, right. They had, um, and I've mentioned this before, uh, Tim Owens uh, sang. Oh, okay. And he was amazing. He's a great singer, you know. Yeah. But he came out and he had like this suede jacket on and (laughs) sunglasses and a fucking monster energy drink hat. And he's like (laughs) sitting there holding the beer and fucking singing. And I'm just like. Dude, you are singing Dio songs, man. Yeah. Like, I wanted to be like, take your goddamn hat off and show some respect for the great wizard. Yeah, you know? quit phoning it in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, and he was amazing, and he ended up putting on a great show, and I had a really great time. Yeah. But to me, it was just demonstrative of, like, like how the the dramatic shift in the market has just, like, decimated an entire category of music, it seems yeah. like. I mean, it was always tough. Like, even when Super Suckers were big in the 2000s, there was sort of a push to, like, make rock cool, like helicopters coming to right. to America. You um, have a recording of that as well, right? Yeah. You have the helicopters playing at Surfside? Uh, Starlight. At the Starlight. Starlight. Hody's now. Do you know what year that was? 99. It's fucking helicopters in 99. At, yeah. How cool was that? <laughs> it, was, it was. And that's that show? Yeah. There was... 40 people there, maybe. There's and that'll never happen again. No. Shit, they never. probably won't even, they won't come tour America. They came and played, the helicopters played Psycho Vegas and then like a one-off in LA and a one-off in New York. They'll probably come. They opened for the, they opened for the Stones. I know. In Europe. Did they really? Yeah. The Backyard Babies too, another wow. great rock and roll band. They did a, I saw them early, that early aughts play Larimer Lounge. Wow. To also... Nobody. Did you come see us play with uh, Peter Pan Speed Rock and yeah. Mondo Generator? Yeah. Dude, yeah. nobody. That, yeah, there was nobody. Nobody. And, and uh, Danny, Sa- or Danny Sachs, who put us on the show, you know, he's like, 
He's like, where is, where is, or maybe it was it was Bart who was booking there at that time. I can't remember who was booking, but whoever the booker was was like, where is everybody? What happened with that show? And it's like, dude, we put up posters all over the city. We blasted the internet. We did all our due diligence to get people yeah. out here. That was a weeknight, too. It was I a weeknight, but it was also like, I think another thing that hurt him is Nick Oliveri seems to be trying to eschew his ties to Queens, like because of the bad falling out and everything like that. If you, if he would just put former Queens of the Stone Age on his posters, I'll bet it would quadruple his. Uh, Maybe. You don't know? I bet it probably would. yeah, Yeah. But I don't think he puts former Caius on there or anything like the last time I saw him with the, uh, Church of Misery at the Larimer. He yeah. played a song called Caius Dies that was kind of a diatribe against lawyers and the bad oh, blood really? from when Caius reformed. Is so he's probably just got hard feelings about all his old projects be. and things like that. But like, Or, I mean, it could be Queens is like, yeah, you, you can't, can't do that. that which, which is probably too. more likely, yeah. That Peter Pan Speed Rock, though. They've been around forever. Nobody knows who they are except for deep cut rock Music fans. Right. Nobody. And, and I was like you know. so thrilled to see them. I was so stoked, yeah. They played for like Peter 20 Benz people. Peter Rock's coming to town. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They played for like 20 people. I and remember. It, and yeah. it was just like, like when, when we toured, when we toured with bands over there, they're like, oh, we'd love to come to the US. I'm like, no, you don't. Yeah. It's like, you don't, I, I would love it if you would come. Yeah. But I, I mean, I probably won't be at your show. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like people just, it, people don't turn out for that style of music. They don't, you know, and I don't know. They don't take into account too. Like, oh, these guys came from. No, they don't know. take that into account. I, no. I mean, I do based on bands I want to see. I'm like, oh shit, these guys came all the way from wherever. Right, you gotta go see them. Right, and often it is the case. Like, eh, nobody even cares. That that's why they do the festival thing. Like, sure. You know, bands will come over and they'll do punk rock bowling or they'll do you know something on the coast, and that's really it. But. uh I remember when Turbo Negro played the Ogden with the Dwarves. Yeah, yeah. I was thrilled about that show. Yeah. And Turbo Ugand people came from all over the country. Right. But it was like only Turbo Ugand people and a handful of other people came from all over the country. And it's still like, I want to say it was quarter sold. It was fuller than that. I remember that show. Yeah. You think so? It's half. It wasn't. It was sparse. Yeah. It was definite. Like, like that's another one too. Like, if people, people say they like rock music, but I think people that say they like rock music, it's becoming like, oh yeah, Rolling Stones. Right, right, right. That show. All due respect to Rolling Stones, great, great rock and roll band, but like their audience isn't the same audience that's going to go to Super Sucker Show. I wonder what else it is. They they connect that music with the best time of their life, like. They, when they were in their 20s or teenagers. Right. And, that's, and they continue to listen to that music. A right. lot of people don't continually search out new music. What, do, what do you think just, is preventing people from discovering and taking interest in rock music? Like, what do you think is responsible for... Because, I mean, you've been going to see bands forever, and you've seen a lot of them, and you've seen a lot of the changes in the crowd sizes over the years. What yeah. do you think, just as as a fan, as a showgoer, what do you think has led to 
the impending demise of the great American yeah. rock and roll or the great, <laughs> the, just a great rock, rock and roll, roll band. Yeah. Well, I don't believe that's happening. But you don't it, believe that's happening. So what do you believe is happening? Uh, I, I, God, I, I, it doesn't get it. It's just rock and roll. I mean, that's why they keep rebranding it grunge or whatever, you know, and God, I, you know, I wish, I wish I had an answer for that. Yeah, why yeah. do people not I'm like just, more I, rock and roll music? I I'm mean, really obviously curious. like, uh, who's the, the Zeppelin clone mm. band. Uh, that's a part of it. I feel the, is it's like the, the Greta, Van Fleet, Greta Van Fleet. And I think that that's a part of it is it's like, People in the world of underground and rock and roll music can be like I used to. I used to think that it, how it was so funny how the nastier a subculture was, the more elitist they were. <laughs> like some of the most elitist people you'll meet are like train hopping crust punks sure yeah you know what i mean yeah. like the vetting process to enter their realm is it like it's high it's steep oh yeah yeah you know there's a lot to it and and people like to throw shade on quote unquote posers you know what i mean right. yeah. and then that happens to varying degrees throughout the the genres you know right. throughout the sh- subgenres and i feel like a band like Greta Van Fleet comes along and it's recreational <laughs> for quote unquote true rock fans to throw stones at them, to yeah. just like take a shot at them. You know what I mean? And just be like, and make memes and try and people yeah. make people laugh. You know what I mean? There's yeah. like this, it, it, it's like, and this is something he talks about in that, that punk rock NBA video is he talks about like, like, you look at the biggest bands in metal, for example. You look at a band like Five Finger Death, Five Punch. Finger Death Punch is yeah. the is the is an example he uses. Yeah. And he goes, he goes, they're huge, they're successful, they have real star power. No, yeah. no matter what you think of them, they are the closest thing I've seen to a rock star in a long time. And yet, most quote unquote diehard metal and rock fans fucking hate that band. Yeah. Like it's considered it's considered uncool yeah. to, so I mean, like, I feel like we're almost cooling ourselves out of an audience. You know, yeah, it's like, but like uh, there's with, I mean, radios, I guess people still listen to it, but like, where are you going to hear rock and roll on the radio? The classic rock station. Right. That's the people that, that that's rock and roll. You're not going to hear the super suckers right. on there. Right. Or where would, where would. They've never been like terrestrial like, radio still does like account for KBPI could have been like maybe a super suckers champion like in the it would have to be on like some sideshow or something like yeah, that yeah like, but, but but why like, like metal what they were playing or, at the know, time in the aughts right. like super suckers why wouldn't people like that they also didn't have don't have big management to push right. their song to radio but well and also they're just there wasn't people don't get to hear that they, that there's this huge underground of music right and i don't uh, i it's people just don't get exposed to it right and 
I don't think the American market is set up to do that. It creates it creates incurious music fans, right? I think because like Super Suckers or like uh, that Blaine interview, he's like when they were talking about downsizing to play. Oh yeah, play Lost Lake, right? They were like, God, in Europe, you know, we play these great big places. What? And that's something I've always been curious about is like watching a band like Nashville Pussy. What? What is? What is it that is is hurting them? Because I think they're well, fucking the name, fantastic. Maybe I don't. A little bit. I don't know because all their marketing is a fucking badass chick wailing on a guitar in yeah. the front. Like they really push writer forward. It might be the name thing. You know, I don't know. I. It, were, were you paying attention to that whole black pussy thing when it was going on? Yeah. Like. Like that did get insane. This is stupid. It was so stupid. It was stupid. And it, it, it got insane. And like, I'm against racism and sexism too, but I don't know if we need to plant our flag in the battle of that against guys that dress like Aerosmith and play boogie rock. Right. Is right. that the front on the war against racism and sexism? No. I don't know. I think, we're, I think we're target. misguided. Yeah. It's low-hanging fruit. Yeah. Is what it is. And they changed their name. Yeah. They, they did, eventually uh, changed their dude, name. And, and Black Magic Flower Power, yeah. they call themselves now. Dude, I talked to their to their their merch gal and manager and their social media manager, yeah. uh, Kelsey, and she, with tears in her eyes, she told me about death threats. I'm sure, yeah. Death threats. Over... Like a double death entendre, threats, death threats to venues. Yeah, well, that's like, why High Dive dropped the. Yeah, because problem. like someone threatened to crash a car through it or shoot the place up or threat. Like yeah. she she told me so many different stories. I mean, I've I've beaten this dead horse for sure, but yeah. it's like, look, here's here's the way that I look at it. And this is the way that I've been looking at it recently with all the recent stuff that has been happening in kind of the local music scene. And I think you know the, the drama that I'm talking about that's been going down. Yeah. You know, um, maybe at some point I'd like to talk to the individuals on this show. You know, yeah. I'd much rather talk to them in person in a, in a one-on-one conversation. So for the time being, I won't, I won't mention any names or go into anything right. too exhaustive because it's been, it's been talked about enough. Yeah. But my feeling is that real dangerous like people with real dangerous extremist ideologies represent such a small portion of the population especially in the underground music world and i realize that there's the fear of them coming in and like chicken chicken hawking young impressionable kids and something like and things yeah. like that but I also think that they ver- if if we were to just say there are a billion of us, yeah, worldwide that are alternative music fans, would you just say that's a safe assumption? Let's just say for the sake of argument, sure. a billion a of billion, us. Yeah. If there's a billion of us, I feel like the people with the truly dangerous like like people who hit all the points where they are you know racist misogynist sexist predatory you know and open about it that and open about it and aggressive about it i think if, if if you took and you you made a venn diagram of all the people who hit all of those check marks 
they likely represent point zero 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 one percent of the overall population yeah. in a world of music that is mostly made up of people who like music, mostly made up of people who hold either highly liberal political and social views or yeah. if they are if they are conservative anyway they're like slightly right of center there's there's yeah. there are extremists of course in any sample yeah. but i really do feel like in our world they represent such a small percentage of the population and there are more of us than there are them yeah. And the likelihood of an ideology like that taking a real foothold, especially yeah. if they are steeped in with the rest of us, is highly, highly, highly unlikely. Yeah. You know, I'm all for protesting something that you don't agree with. Yeah. All for it. By all means, protest. What I have a problem with is when it gets to the point of attacking businesses yeah. and making threats of violence yeah. or doxing people like that's i mean man unless unless you have like a child murderer that got away with it and you want to see that and and it's it is like inarguably a person who deserves to die you know and and, yeah. and again based on whose idea of who deserves what you know what i mean sure, sure. like I can't see a case where like doxing someone is appropriate. I just and and that's just yeah. my position on it. You know, it's like by all means tell people what you don't like, tell the yeah. reasons that you don't like something, but but the idea of like destroying people and and I mean you if you don't when bring people over to your side. Exactly. You, and you shine a you, sometimes like uh you shine a light on an event that there would have been 20 people at. Right. Anyway. Exactly. And now you're oh hey, free advertising sort of. Yeah, like it, it's you, hard to get people at shows when you it's hard to get people at shows when you're not a racist, <laughs> misogynist, <laughs> nationalist, you know what I mean? Yeah. If you're into a a a niche fucking crazy extremist ideology like that. Yeah. There's not a whole lot of people in your fucking sewing that's, circle. That, that's why those bands play people's basement. Right. Or one-off rented halls from people that don't care about who gets booked there. Right. You like know, they don't they're not they're not mainstream. They are they that's that's a People don't want that. And they're That's, going to play – if they do manage to sneak into a major room, yeah. the people who are throwing that event are going, well, we're never going to do that again. Yeah. You know, they're like, holy Though fuck, depending, what did depending you Depending on, on, on what goes on at the show, you know, right. a lot of those bands won't be overtly – It's such a rare occasion. Yeah. And I feel like it – I feel what it does, too, is if you've got a crowd of 500, generally speaking, positive, kind, warm, welcoming, uh, uh, inviting, um, inclusive people. If you have, like, I like to think Denver has a pretty inclusive community. Yeah. You know? Sure. 
I like to think we're this big city with a small town mentality. Yeah. Working at King's has definitely, you know, when I worked at King's, I definitely got to experience that a lot. Being in music, I've experienced Going to 100 it. shows a year, I know I've met so many people so many in this people. town. Right, right. And this podcast is complete. The, the, the whole mechanics of this podcast is based around those relationships with people I've just gotten to know over those years. Because sure. we have a very inclusive community. I imagine that if you're at a show of a thousand people, doesn't matter what kind of music, if you're at a show yeah. of a thousand people that make up the various rings of our community here, and two or three young, impressionable people come into that environment, impressionable human beings, mm -hmm. I find it hard to believe that a couple of fringe, extremist, dangerous people are really going to be able to compete with the environment of the other 999 and whatever people yeah. that are there and are like, like, hey, let's have a good time together. This is great. This is awesome. You know what yeah, I mean? This is what it's about. This is the... right. But if you go out and you're trying to hunt for anyone who is tied to anyone who is tied to anyone, yeah. who especially and, and I'll just say I'll just say this right out. This is one thing where I don't I don't mind mentioning a name, is there's a whole lot of stuff going around about total annihilation, total annihilation, this, you know, and and the the dude from that band, and it's like, bro, anybody who's been playing in this band in this town since like in, in like punk rock shows since the 90s or early 2000s yeah. has played a show with that fucking band yeah. knows that fucking band and you know what they were just a bunch of guys that i knew and you know some one of them got into some crazy ideological shit yeah. and we never took it seriously and then he got into other crazy ideological shit, and we never took that all that seriously. We're just like, that's just that guy. Yeah. What are you going to do? You know? Yeah. We don't have barbecues together. It's just a guy <laughs> that I knew from way back then. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, if you're looking for people with ties to people who have ideological standpoints that you disagree with, you're not going to have to look far, and yeah. you're going to find... There are a lot more people who are connected by one degree of separation to people who don't share your political beliefs. And yeah. some of them are going to be kind of rough. Yeah. Like. They might be your coworker or uncle or right. bandmate. Right. Or acquaintance. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how hardcore you are in a certain ideology. There is someone in your 150 person tribe. Yeah. Who has repugnant ideas. Ha has some idea that you don't agree with. Yeah. Not even, we won't even go as far as repugnant. Oh, okay. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Probably, I mean, there is probably some stuff that, that you would get in a heated debate about. Sure. And I'm not going to stop loving my relatives that voted for Trump. Probably stop having a conversation with them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I would probably change the subject uh -huh. yeah. for sure. Speaking of changing the subject, um, how about I give you a quick tour? We take a quick break, let the room air out, okay. and then we'll, we'll come back and we'll continue.
And you can get a fresh beer, and we can pack a fresh bowl. And uh, when we come back, we're going to talk more about uh, we're going to talk more about shows and what makes rock and roll magical. All right, all right, good. be right back. I've started bringing um, thumb drives to shows just because you can pretty much record anything off of any like modern board you know what I mean so I've been sure, like yeah. I've been trying to get recordings of our shows because I like putting them on our website you know my my philosophy on the whole thing is pretty much just like there are a few people worldwide who really really give a shit about what we do a few of them yeah. and you know I'm going to share everything with them that I get. Right you on. know, it's just like here, here you go. Like Patreon has been really great for that. You know, having having a place to give all those people stuff, and they're not nearly as into it as I am. <laughs> you know, I appreciate I appreciate their support. Yeah, but but you know, they don't they don't care about it nearly as much as I do. But I you know I want there to be a record of what we've done. And I, I, I wish I had more recordings of that stuff. You know what I mean? I wish. I'm sort of surprised I hadn't recorded you guys more than that Me one too. time. Me too. I know I was at that uh, Peter Pan Speed Rock show. That was such a fun show, man. For some reason I didn't record you guys. I Dude, don't know. we that was the show where we built the big cake. Big birthday cake. The big birthday yeah. cake for fucking Nick Oliveri. <laughs> And we barely got – I mean, knowing what I know now, I would have brought people in to record it. You know, I would have set it all up ahead of time. And, like, literally the only video we got was Tony's sister, Nini, took some video of it. Oh, you uh-huh. know Nini from Three Kings. Oh, yeah. yeah. She took some video of it and, and like – we had the we had trouble sharing the files back and forth and like really didn't really didn't do as much to document that truly <laughs> fun thing yeah. as as you know after the fact I wish we had it was so fucking fun hey i want to give a quick shout out to our sponsors first and foremost our most venerable our most venereal nay venerable sponsor matula plumbing Matula! Shit rolls downhill. Don't be at the bottom. Your number two is our number one priority. Your shit is our bread and butter. Angie's List Super Service Award winner back in 2011. One one's the only one that matters. After that, Angie's List went really downhill, man. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, it went really downhill. The master of poopers himself and flushes for all. Jerry Matula, uh, if you're in the Des Plaines, Illinois area and you need your pipes pumped... Go see my man, Jerry Matula. He'll wear the booties for you. Rocket Space Rehearsal Studios, 27th and Larimer, right next to Larimer Lounge, here in Denver, Colorado, in Rhino, in the Rhino District. Uh, yeah, man, hourly, fully equipped rehearsal spaces, uh, and, you know, adjacent to Larimer Lounge. So you can go in, you can have a beer, see our buddy Mikey Mulligan over there, and then uh, pop in over and have yourself a little rehearsal without having to carry shit. Just bring your guitars, fucking case of beer, go have a good time. Rock out with your boys. Rocket Space, you ain't got to carry shit. Uh, Flipside Music, 
here in Denver, Colorado, on the Rock Block, in, uh, there on Acoma Street, south of Acoma Street, next to Blackout Screen Printing and The Keep. Uh, Ike is really doing some amazing stuff over there, man. They've got lesson spaces. They've got a uh, they've got a repair shop going on in the back. They have this super comfortable just hangout jam room where you can just try out a guitar on a nice comfy couch before you buy it. Try out some pedals. They'll help you set stuff up. They also have the largest selection of effects pedals in the region. That's a true thing that Ike told me when we had him on the show. I, I haven't checked with the with my pedal stats people, <laughs> but I think it's a true thing. I believe it. Go see him. Uh, TheNugNation.com. Over here on the break, I got to take James here on a tour of the studio yeah. and show him all the cool stuff we're working on. And, it. uh, dude, it's fun, man. It's a lot of fun. I think here in 2020, we're going to probably, I think Gor- it's looking like Gordo and I are going to be in charge of developing the podcast division of the Nug Nation, oh. which I think would be really, really fun. Sure. So, uh, if anybody's looking to do a podcast, uh, why don't you get at me? You know, hit me up. Podcasting is the new being in a band. I'm telling you, <laughs> everybody's doing it now. It's like either be a stand-up comedian or start a podcast or both, or make a comic book. Uh, the Nug three. Nation, or all three. <laughs> Nugnation.com. Check it out. Go see all the Nugs in their wacky adventures through the town of Nugville. See all the stuff that we've been working on, and stay tuned for some amazing stuff coming in 2020. Uh, let's see. Evergroove Studio in Evergreen, Colorado, atop Black Mountain. Solar-powered, state-of-the-art recording studio i actually talked to brad today had a nice conversation and um we're excited to go up there and start working on the next 20 songs that we have to record we got a bunch of cool stuff ready to go so we're excited about it uh go see them about your next project check out the space at evergroove.com uh what else what else what else what else what else oh mutiny information cafe to south broadway in the heart of Denver, Colorado, in Baker or Sobo. I'm not sure what they're calling it now. Uh, Mutiny is everything. Books, records, coffee, cereal. Live music. Live music, live events. Yeah. Discussion groups and live podcasts. They've started doing podcasts down in the basement. They do poetry readings, you know, independent film festivals. They do all sorts of crazy shit. And it's, uh, it's great people watching. You'll see a whole whole variety of of wild characters coming in and out of there man indeed yeah it is it is the the cultural heart of denver go check it out tell them the boy sent you um what else what else what else what else what else what else i think i got everybody yeah i think i got everybody so i'll just give a shout out now to our loyal patrons uh, the people who back us via a small monthly contribution on patreon.com slash mfruckus. You guys have been making everything possible for us, and we have some big fucking plans for 2020, and I cannot wait to work on them. So thank you so, so very much. Um, thanks to those of you who listen to the show. If you want to find out how you can support us, go to patreon.com slash mfruckus. So... In case you just happened to drop in in the middle of the episode, um, I'm here with my buddy James Freeman, and we are talking about live recording. We're talking about the magic of live shows. 
we're, we're, we're talking about a bunch of different stuff. State of rock and roll. Yeah, the state of rock and roll. And, uh, and, and dealing with your, your Trump-loving <laughs> relatives. I should put a bow on that by just saying that, like, the rule in our family, like, the couple of people in our family who are on either side of the spectrum, like, really politically engaged, yeah. their wives are like, said, we're that. not talking about this at the holidays. Like yeah, they made a smart. rule. It's smart. Yeah, it's just it's just a rule. It's like we don't we're n- we're not going to talk politics around the holidays. Yeah. That's that's just the way it's going to be because it ruins it for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think it's important to remember that uh, it's great to have an opinion, and please, you know, by all means, keep up with current events. But ultimately, your power in changing any of that is voting. Right, and it begins. We're voting with your dollars, yelling at your your uncle, right, because he thinks differently than you. Doesn't work out. You can it's use just, it to guide your your behavior. Yeah, and man, <laughs> have you five hundred years ago? The world was fucking insane, man. Oh yeah, you what know a, what I mean. What a, what a time to be alive, right now. And that's only five hundred years ago. Hell, a hundred years ago. A hundred years ago. The, People barely, you know. Dude, World War II was almost a hundred years ago. It's 80 years ago, right? Yeah, yeah. 80-something years ago. So practically, virtually a hundred years ago. It was virtually a century ago. And that world was fucking insane, dude. Yeah. And the the, the world that we're living in now is vastly different from that. Despite all the... Problems and divisiveness. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. is arguably for a large portion of the population of the world. Mo- the- well, most of the that that's the thing is it is it is improved like it is improved precipitously, and obviously there are parts of the world that are sheer chaos and misery and privation and and yeah. and horror. That is a fact. But we are more aware of that than ever, and. Action towards ameliorating that suffering on a worldwide level has spiked in relatively recent times. Sure. Like okay, you, look, you look at something very simple like the like like climate change is probably the biggest problem that we have, right? It's probably the biggest thing facing us right now. Sure. So the ecological movement is still super new. Like it's only been around since like the 60s. You know what I mean? Like it, 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 it really hasn't been around that long, and yeah. Thoreau doesn't count it. <laughs> right, Walden Pond. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> but it's like, like the, the industrial revolution, like the way the world worked in the, t- the the way the world looked in the time of the industrial le- revolution, like black clouds of coal smoke everywhere. You sure. know, just horrible, horrible conditions for everyone, and it, it is. It is getting better. It just takes a really, 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 really long time. And arguing with your uncle isn't going to make it go any <laughs> fucking faster. That's right. Just, I don't know, man. Talk about football. Talk or about f- <laughs> something. Or, you know, play music together. That's right. Ask he, him what his favorite band is. Yeah, what's your favorite band? I don't like bands. Not even Marshall Tucker? <laughs> You can find some common ground. There's common ground. We all have some common ground. That is something I that's funny is. to me about like like ultra conservative rednecks who 
like Leonard Skinner and like the Marshall Tucker band and stuff like that. Yeah. Because those bands were all like Southern hippies. Yeah. Especially Leonard Skinner. Yeah. Like the guys from Leonard Skinner were fucking hippies, dude. Like they would drink mushroom tea and they were yeah. like, man, just need to get rid of the guns, man. Just, like, and despite what they, uh, yeah, they have an anti-gun song. Saturday Night Special. Yeah, it's an anti-gun, anti-gun song. song. Yeah, man. The And despite what they said about Neil Young and that one song. They were good they friends. They were buddies, yeah. They were good buddies. Freebird the movie is a great documentary. Check it out. Is that the the... It's not the most recent one. There's there's a new one called If I Leave Here Tomorrow that I need oh, to check okay. out that Ty was telling me about that sounds really good. I but. just watched uh, the Skinner at Isle Wright. Like, they were first time in Europe, I think. Oh, really? It has to be 70-something. Right. And they look like kids. Oh, yeah. And it is kick-ass. Yeah, dude. I fucking love Skinner. Yeah. I got a... Uh, when I worked at Three Kings, there was a couple of, you know... Broadway art rocker types, mm-hmm. and they were sitting there, and they were they were talking shit about Leonard Skinner, and I like yeah. interrupted their conversation. I'm like, wait, what did you just say? It's just like, <laughs> oh, you know, it's just they just you know talked all that shit about Neil Young, and they're just like a redneck rock band. And yeah. I'm like, I'm like, how much do you know about that band? And I was like, I was like, yeah. do you know that Ronnie Van Zant was was purportedly or was reportedly buried in his Neil Young shirt, like had vast respect for Neil Young, and yeah. like. Like, I don't know, man. Like, you got to learn to, like, read between the lines of stuff that people are saying. Like, yeah. he was taking a crack, but he was, like, he was ribbing. Yeah, well, Neil I Young, mean. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's easy to just see the, the Confederate flag on all the... Well, the conversation shirts. around the issue... The, yeah. the, the conversation around the issue was different in the 1970s. Yeah, yeah. It was a completely different conversation, yeah. and it didn't didn't age well coming into the night. No, it so didn't. It, it looks it looks it, it paints them in a bat a different light than. So speaking of things not aging well, yeah. Let me run this by you. <laughs> let me run this by you. So I'm in this Oingo Boingo tribute band. Okay. And I have from the beginning been trying to get them to play Little Girls. Yeah, I've heard you talk about this. You've heard me talk about yeah. this. Okay. And a couple of the guys in the band are like, no are, way. They're like, no way. And one of the things that got brought up is, is it hasn't aged well. And yet, when we go play Boingo shows, yeah. I hear at every show. People are asking for it. People are asking for it. Women are going, hey, do you guys play little girls? And I go, no, my bandmates think it hasn't aged well. And they go, oh, come on. <laughs> right. You know, what do you think about that idea about art and age? Well, you never can know when people are going to hear it in what context they hear it. I mean, true, that probably in, in, nobody would record that song today. Nobody would right. record that song. Well, but they might. They might, yeah. I mean, they might record it. Depends, on, depends on the band. I mean, touching on the, the Black Pussy thing, you know, I never saw anybody. Protesting at dwarf shows or trying to get the exactly. dwarves shut down, and arguably, why do the dwarves get listen, a pass? If you listen to any dwarves record, there's no comparing it to a black pussy record, right? You're like, oh well, this is nice boogie rock here about astronauts, astronauts, or, or al- aliens, or whatever they're fucking singing yeah. about. Aliens. Where the dwarf songs are like, "Here's looking at you, kid." They have a song called "Here's looking at you, kid." Dairy Queen. 
Dairy Queen? No. Uh, uh, Demonica? Yeah. Um, they have a lot of Lolita-esque themes. Yeah, the, the, that, that, here's looking at you, kid. That's on their newest record that came out. And the dwarves get a pass. And and but to be fair, I am not suggesting that anyone go after the dwarves because I fucking love yeah. the dwarves and I will be so fucking mad at you if you go after that band. <laughs> but it's like, it's like, dude, it's like, it all seems so arbitrary to me. Yeah, well, you know, people, are, you, people are looking to be outraged. And you can ex- you, so you can suspend your disbelief on a band like the dwarves. You can suspend your disbelief, but you can't suspend your disbelief on a band like Black Pussy. Right. Based or, only on the name. Right. Not any of the actual content. Right. And I look at I look at this discussion with the, the Oingo Boingo little girls thing, and I'm like, I was talking to a Boingo fan at one of the shows that we did, because basically what those shows end up being is Boingo fans who come out, and then we talk about how much we like Boingo. Boingo, You know, and they're like, dude, it's so cool that you guys are doing this. Like, they're excited that there's people who are fans, too. So most of the people we see are Boingo fans. And I was talking to someone without even talking about the little girls thing. Yeah. Before I even got to that point in the conversation with, with this guy... He was talking about, he was like, he just owns those characters so well. Right. And I was thinking like, huh, I never really thought of. It's not autobiographical. Right. It's not autobiographical. It's just a song. You listen to the Dead Kennedys, almost every Dead Kennedys song is sung from the perspective of. A character. Of a character. Yeah. And in most cases. Or about a character. Or about a character. Man with the dogs. Right. And. In most cases, that character is a bad guy. Yeah. Police you know, truck. Police truck, right? Yeah. That is like, when I think of a song like Police Truck, I think of the most grotesque and malevolent and malicious and pernicious caricaturization yeah. of not a police officer, but... Yeah. Police violence yeah. and abuse of power. Yeah, it's co- it was commentary. Yeah, it's, it's relevant commentary. today as right. And is Chuck D really going to break out of prison, dude? There are <laughs> some. There is some dark fucking shit in the world. Yeah, there is some ugliness in in humanity, and I think we need to look at it. And I th- and I want to look at it. I want to be aware that it's out there. Yeah. You know, I want to know the scale of what I'm dealing with. And I resent feeling like there is a big cultural push to scrub that out of our awareness. Because it's not scrubbing it out of existence. No. Though, I mean, like, that's book, the book banning, same kind of. Yeah. Oh, I don't want. And I don't want anybody reading this. Yeah. It might make them have ideas or something. It, 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 yeah. It, I don't like the ideas it conveys. It's yeah. like, well, if you ban the book, you're not going to prevent the proliferation of those ideas. If anything, you're going to make those ideas seem more appealing because, man, there's nothing more exciting than going, dude, this book or this yeah. album or this movie was banned in 50 countries. Yeah. Like there's, there's pieces of art where the creator will put that on the press materials. It's like slapping labels. And what's funny to me. Yeah, there's a black flag record. that The quote is, this is a decidedly anti-parent record. Right. Or um, 
Hold on. It's a quick quad- chronic <laughs> break. Mm. It's ironic to me that the people who were behind the PMRC, <coughs> that, that, like the people who were behind the, the PMRC and censorship in, in the 90s, yeah. like that wasn't a right-wing organization. That was Tipper yeah, Gore. Well, I mean, I mean, some could argue that uh, Tipper Gore and all the Gores and Clintons fall on the right side. Right. Well, so. s- some some could argue that. <laughs> some could argue that. Definitely, that is. Yeah. But it, seemingly at, at the, time, the time, seemingly yeah. at the time, yeah. they were considered the the progressive voice in the country, yeah. looking out for the children. Right. They were looking exactly. They were looking out for the children. Somebody's always looking out for the children. They were they were supposed to be the bleeding hearts who were. Right. Trying to protect everybody and trying to keep this filthy, dirty stuff from getting to people's ears. And what happened is they put those fucking stickers on records. Made me run out and buy a wasp. All of them. Fuck like a beast. Seven inch. Dude. (laughs) Ween chocolate and cheese (laughs) with the fucking underboob and the uh, parental advisory label on it. And still, off the top of my head, I know that album inside and out. And I can't think of anything on that record that I shouldn't have heard when I was young. Yeah. The th- Maybe a couple swears. There's a couple swears. There's some, uh, is that the one, Mr. Won't You Help My Pony? Mr. Won't You Please Help My Pony. That song's pretty whack. It's, <laughs> but, <laughs> it's, it's creepy and weird, yeah. but Did it's not, not offensive. It? Yeah, no, yeah. It's not offensive. That's, yeah, some under boob shouldn't stop people from hearing that you know what i mean but, but that's the thing is there was a period of time where that was the most useful marketing tool you could think of yeah is to be like parental advisory sticker the parental advisory you didn't sticker. have a parental advisory sticker dude we actually got made fun of by razor cake magazine for putting a parental advisory <laughs> sticker on one of our albums it's cl- it's, it's cliche now right, right? Yeah. and but i mean we thought you know, we grew up in that uh, era, so yeah. we thought it was cool, but yeah. The, it's still cool. Yeah, I thought so. Ra- <laughs> Razor Cake ripped us a new asshole, man. Well, yeah. Rigid, <laughs> that's kinda, that's rigid idealists. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That, that's not punk rock. That's not that's punk not, rock at all. Not to just Razor Cake. I really I like a lot of their stuff. <laughs> no, I like a lot of yeah. – dude, and that's the thing is now, like – That's where you're going to see a review. That's who – people that like rock and roll, that's the kind of – like underground rock and roll, that's – that's the kind of place they see a review. Right. Know, I want to see hear that record. Right. You Even it, well, and the person who is going to see that review and go, man, what drove this person to this level of hostility for this band? <laughs> and I will say this, and I don't know yeah. if I've ever said this directly, but they were spot on. That record was garbage, <laughs> and and our and our image at that time was total garbage. But uh-huh. we were playing with stuff. You yeah. know, we didn't know any, yeah. we didn't fucking know any better. We were young morons. But man, they hated it. <laughs> hated it. Hey, they felt something about it. Exactly. Right, so. An artist is designed to be provocative, is it not? <laughs> That's right. It's back to. I, I just think it's. I think it's interesting that we're running into this thing again, where there is like pushback is becoming a regular thing that you're seeing against. Well, it's it's more accessible. Everybody has a voice, right? Everybody, but can what have is a voice, what is which cha- is good and bad, right? Which is good and bad. What has changed since I feel like 2017 is in 2017, 2018, 
so much of the conversation was just the initial pushback of people being angry and then people kind of hiding from that really loud noise. And I feel like what has happened recently and what I've observed in the last year is you're getting a lot more people who are speaking up and pushing back against the pushback. Like you're seeing the pendulum swing a little bit more to where people are going, no, we need to have some talks about gradation of offense and we need to have some talks. Everything's black and white. Right. There's, you know, like, do I have to hate Ryan Adams forever? Because. Yeah. He's a. Dick? Yeah, he's a dick. <laughs> he's a dick. It's like, man, what if what if tomorrow can I hate uh you know Jeffrey Epstein more because he's actual child predator? Right, right, right. I, I mean, is that can can we make distinctions like that? Can I say, you know, can I say that one is yeah. decidedly worse than well, the other? Well, there's no there's no thoughtful discourse. Well, and on I, I think that everything's that's, thrown up reacted to and then it moves on to the next thing. Right. There's right, no right. thoughtful discussions about these things happen a right. year later. I, I and I feel like outrage culture. Right. It's right. just it's gotta play itself out at some point, no? I mean, yeah, it's it's just Aren't it's everybody tired of being mad. It's a system of nature. Yeah. You know? It's it's a system of nature which we have zero precedent for dealing with on yeah. this scale. You oh, know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So it's just human thought, like social mood, has to evolve to a, a certain degree. Yeah, you know what I mean. So we, you're right. We just have to kind of wait it out and see what happens. You couldn't have somebody. I mean, it, during the Tipper Gore era, there there wasn't somebody from Pakistan shit posting right. on Tipper Gore's comment about <laughs> banning records. <laughs> You know, <laughs> right? That wasn't there. anybody can do that now. That's a new thing. The whole PMRC thing would have been ended in a weekend. <laughs> they weren't even bothered. No, they wouldn't yeah. have even bo- bothered. As the so, thing, they, they learned they learned that it's an unstoppable force. Yeah, you know. I mean, some of some of this pushback too, and some of the anger directed at black pussy, perhaps, or or just like that is people don't feel they have power. Power. You know, in the system, right? Like, what are you going to do? Vote, right? I mean, that's that's tr- true. I think you should vote, but it's also what the you, odds is, are stacked is, against. Is there you. power in that? Yes, you it should matter. do it. Right? Yes, you should yeah. do it, and its power is limited. Yeah. Right. Don't expect results. Yeah. From expressing your opinion of the ballot box, but, but but do it. Yeah, but be counted. But so since there's not there's no recourse in. In the outrage, people are directing their outrage at maybe not needed targets. More, more, more accessible Easy, targets. Easier targets. More accessible Easier targets. the better. The targets which are within their reach. Yeah. And, and, uh, and yeah, and, and we've seen that happen. And I also – I think what I've been observing is it's starting to stabilize. It's starting to yeah. stabilize to the point where what, I, what I've noticed is that that discussion is like – that type of post respond dumpster fire fight like that unsta uh, that destabilized discourse yeah. that is still happening but yeah. i feel like fewer and fewer people are engaging in it yeah i and often think twice before sometimes i'll type out a comment and then just delete it i do Why that bother? all the time yeah i do like, that I all want, the time I'm you know mark hamill canceled his uh, facebook account 
Oh, he yeah. posted that on Twitter today. I have friends that don't have Facebook accounts. That uh, yeah, I'm like that's it's it's such a good way to keep track of the shows coming. I up, know though. it's and stuff like that events. It's I don't post much other than I, show stuff I put on. I'll probably end up writing it into the ground. Yeah, it's like it's it's like uh, it's the equivalent of the yellow pages. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, white, the white pages. Yeah, everybody's in it. Oh, you need to get a hold of somebody. Yeah, bet yeah. You can, bet you can find them on here. You can type their name in. You know, oh, hey, what's Uncle Bob been doing up lately? You know, right. Hey, if you can't is. get to them, you can get to someone who can get to yeah. them. Oh, there's yeah, there's Aunt Judy. Right, I'll send her a message. And it's like that is definitely where to at this moment it is still where a majority of our traffic comes from. Even though our reach has been, yeah, me, mine too, on my has blog. been kneecapped. Yeah. If you look at the stats, it's like, uh, what is it? It's a source. Like in, when you look at your stats, it'll give you your source stats. Yeah. And it's always Facebook mobile, you know, is like 80%. So while that is still going on, I feel like I have to keep it on as long as I want to be well, able. Well, you're promoting yourself and right. other stuff. It's, I mean, it's but it's an, hard not to get sucked into it, man. Yeah. Well, I don't comment as much. Yeah. But it's hard not to go down. I unfollow like if all you do is post memes, or oh, those are the best people to follow is the meme people, <laughs> the funny ones. Sometimes, like I, I get it, but there's it's 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 the dam is burst, right? And it's just flood of memes, and most of them are just. That's the most popular content on Facebook. I believe it. Is, I believe is, it. is memes. That's the stuff that that's the stuff. I mean, that I don't mind like uh, like somebody posts memes occasionally and then actually has a, a comment about it that right. is semi intelligent or funny. That's cool. But if you're just people that are just forwarding memes or forwarding news articles, that's your whole feed or or game results. Right. It's like you know, you could turn that off. Right. Uh, your people don't need to see that. <laughs> You know, I will just unfollow you. I don't yeah, need yeah. To, it's exhausting. I unfollowed some people and then I stopped unfollowing because Tony made the point to me. He was like, he was like, yeah, he's like, I don't unfollow people. I want to well, know. I don't unfriend people. I don't unfriend people. But well, he was like, he was like, I don't unfollow people because I want to know all the opinions that are out there. And I, and I, I agree with no. them to a degree. But I also know that my mental health and well-being <laughs> is affected when I go down a rabbit hole scrolling. Yeah. And I see someone that posts something that I get, you know, oh, I hate to even use the term triggered, but I get triggered no, by. It's, it's it, accurate. It is, it is accurate, and it's just been overused, and I hate that people have overused <laughs> it. But I, I do. I find myself reading something that something pushes and I, it, or that puts up there, and I go, ah, shut the fuck up, you fucking idiot. You yeah. know what I And then, yeah. then I'm going home with that motherfucker in my head. Yeah. You know? I, and I, I get the wanting to hear all opinions thing. Yeah. But I also really don't need to be going home with motherfuckers yeah. in my head. Well, the, you, you just have to back away and go, that you can tell <laughs> generally from somebody's post, whether you will be able to have a conversation with them about that. They don't have to agree with you, but right. if you're like, well, you know, yeah, what about this? If they're like, whatever, libtard, blah, 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 right, right, caps, right. no page breaks, giant text block. It's like, see, but this will think, happen. Like, I'm not going to read that. I'm not going to. Right. 
you could there's a reasonable response to I can me pushing back on you if you're just gonna holler. I don't you know, I got better. I'm talking about not even pushing back though. Yeah. Because I barely comment on anything anymore. I'm talking about just reading something and going, ah, shut the fuck up. Oh, you know? yeah, totally. And then you have, like, totally. the argument in your head with the person. Right. You know what I mean? No, I know. Yeah. And I can look at it rationally <laughs> and go, this person clearly has way too much free time, and this person is clearly doing this for these motivations, and this yeah. person is is clearly ill-informed on this matter. And, yeah. and, like, I can rationalize it all I want, but that, like, limbic response, yeah, totally, that's that true. emotional response is a real thing. And it's well, like, that's why it's okay to unfollow. <laughs> <laughs> really. I mean, you can tell. Like I said, there's, there's people that have reasonable opinions that could go explain to you why they have that opinion. Right. And there's people that are just like, that's what the meme says. <laughs> read you know, the okay, meme, read the meme. <laughs> yeah, like – Okay, well... That's my whole ideology is this meme. Yeah. My whole worldview is summed up in this picture with text on it. Right. (laughs) Speaking of memes or or web cartoon, I I always try to think of the one, uh, hey, honey, you coming to bed? This guy's in front of the computer. He's like, no, somebody's wrong on the internet. (laughs) You know? Like, no, go to bed. Go to bed. Totally. Yeah, go to bed. I mean, I've had my share of fun, you know, Seeing some dumb post and then just poke the bear, yeah. And see how how ridiculous they can come back at you, right? Like not even you know, just be like, oh yeah, really? You think that? You know, well, what about this? It's the- oh no, <laughs> <laughs> and they're never gonna let you have the last word. The thing that's the thing that's overwhelming about it, I think, is it's like before the invention of these technologies, the invention and proliferation of these technologies, it's like. Once in a while, you would come across someone who had a perspective that just struck you. Yeah. That took you by surprise. You're like, wow. In in public. You're out there. Yeah. Like, I mean, I don't mean like, well, you're out there. I mean, like, you're out there in the world. That's a fringe idea. And here you you are. You are out (laughs) here walking around (laughs) among us. You are one of us. Yeah. You are the same species as me. You might be my neighbor. Holy shit. (laughs) Like, like, Wow. We we are in the eyes of the Constitution equals. Like wow, that's crazy. That would happen once in a while, and now yeah. it's like it can happen depending on how long you spend. Yeah, I mean, I regulate my or try to. I make an effort to regulate my time on these platforms, and and there are people who make no effort to regulate their time. They spent they're on there all day long, oh, just like getting their brain blown up with a thousand different opinions from a thousand different people that like that it, like becoming that hyper aware of yeah. the true breadth and depth of the boundaries of human thought. Like and and disposition and character and all these things that are out there. It's overwhelming. It's too much. The sheer volume of it. Unfollow. Unfollow. <laughs> but I got it. But you, we've got to deal with each other though. So how we do, do we? How I do mean, we deal with each other? You, you can't. You can. There's no nobody you you respond to with even what you feel is the most reasonable idea. Right. Generally, have you ever commented on somebody's post and they're like, "Oh yeah, wait, you're right. Yeah, I totally didn't think of that." Sometimes, but it's rare. Rarity, yeah. Sometimes it's rare, but it's also because you're 
um, because it's a public forum and there's no, like a majority of human interaction is facial cues. You know, it's, it's all, it's all, uh, nonverbal. Most communication is nonverbal. So it's strictly verbal, strictly text, no tone. And you feel like everyone in the room is looking at you while this is going on. Uh, You feel like every word is being scrutinized and every attack is like, you feel like there is an audience of people observing you in this altercation. So your defense mechanisms kick in and, and there's that whole reptilian part of your brain that is like, or not rep. Well, yeah. Reptilian part of your brain that is just trying to survive. This is, I mean, we're walking on the moon. This is, no, the, no, this is human experience. This is all for the first time, this interconnectedness. Right. Like, this has never happened. You know, you write letters. Right. The phone was revolutionary, but the phone was, it rang once in a while. You didn't have to interact with this barrage, this fire hose of, right. of opinion. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. We're not be- I don't think we're the better for it. We're not more informed or... <laughs> more civil to each other. I mean, it's fascinating. Do you, do you think so? You don't think, you don't think we're more civil to each other as a result? Well, I don't, I, you know, I don't think, I don't, I think we're, I, like, I think you, like you said, most people, most people are decent, nice people would push your car or help you shovel the walk right. or hold the door for you or right. not tell you you were a fascist libtard <laughs> at Thanksgiving. <laughs> right, you know, right, 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 right. In public, but when everybody has a voice and like you said, a disconnected voice right. that you don't have to deal – there's no consequence for what you say. Right. And there's You no, don't see that out in public generally. I mean now that there's people with video cameras. Right. Like you see those videos, woman yelling the N-word at the, right. the grocery store. It's like that, that's still that's, – that's an isolated incident. Right. You just don't see that. Right. Like people, people – in public, in face to face, don't won't cross that barrier. They know it's wrong. Right. They know they don't want to deal with the consequences. Right. Of because you don't know you you, you mouth off to somebody. To, you get your ass whipped. Yeah. 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 Or you get filmed in the grocery store saying the yeah, n word, right. and you're going to be like, "Oh man, why?" That's you not- got to wonder the story with that lady, man. I All saw that them. I saw that video and I was going like like what is the what surrounds this like what is the story with this woman like what specific what, mental what illness trauma is? in her life is Ooh. causing her to lash out like is she much? drunk is she off meds is it like it like is it uh, a situation where they like paid her to is she an addict like what to crisis actor <laughs> Dude, that's another thing too. Is it's like it could be a crisis actor, man. Have you seen any of these? Have you seen any um, posts come up that you are absolutely certain are a bot or or a troll from a farm? Have you seen anything like that? Oh yeah, yeah. That's just. I mean, it's, it looks like a computer, a foreign computer made the account. Yeah, it's every every uh i got tickets for sale on any facebook event hey i can't make it my family is just right the soft every, puppet accounts or whatever they're yeah, called yeah 
none of those people have tickets. Do not send them money. <laughs> Look at their account first and go, hey, this guy has no friends and lives in Chicago. Why do they have Pig Destroyer tickets? Why is oh, it? They don't. They don't. Of course, it's, it's, a, it's fake. The worst is when they try and do it with small-time local shows like ours, and yeah. I'm like, yeah. nobody's coming to my show, and I know it. <laughs> Who are you? Who sent you? <laughs> I've got tickets I've got to unload. It's like, it's like you bought tickets, you bought advanced tickets to our show. First of all, no, you didn't because yeah. nobody buys advanced tickets to our show. Second of all, if you did buy advanced tickets to your show, it would have been from me because the venue makes me sell pre-sales in order <laughs> to be on the show. What's yeah. your fucking game, friend? Yeah. Yeah, no, that shit's hilarious. I've, I have friends that have fallen for it, too. Oh, I really? I feel like... Oh, you, you assume not? it's a person. Yeah. You that's ass- people. Well, that's in general public. Like nobody would say outrageous shit generally. Right. People just assume you, you're going to be nice. Right. We just assume we do not know. And if not you do conflict s- right. in interactions, everybody's cool. And if you are doing that, you must be some kind of bad guy monster who needs to be taken to task. Yeah. And – when when it's been it's been shown up lately and it is like people it's bots that are literally pro bots and and hired fucking sock puppet accounts yeah. who are literally being paid to go do searches for people who like to post their opinions and then going and picking fights with them sure like someone posts a political opinion and they run a search for yeah. posts containing I've, I've those phrases like that. yeah where it's like it's crazy they're like, who are you? Why are you commenting on my page? Yeah. You know? Oh. And then what ends up happening as a result is somebody screen caps that person's post and goes to try and shame them and put them on another thing and broadcast the message on an even yeah. bigger screen. Yeah. You know, as a separate post. And then it's like, it's like, oh, man. But that was just a robot trying to pick a fight. <laughs> right. And it worked. Wow, yeah. what an effective robot. Yeah. God I knew, I knew it. it was a I knew it was a a bot, so I was messing with it. Yeah, right. <laughs> I would really say that. Right, 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 right. Um Ah, oh, the internet. Yeah. So s- speaking of which, speaking of the internet, there was something I was thinking of earlier that I wanted to ask you about. And that is like because I was thinking it would just be badass if you started a podcast and just started releasing your archives in on other platforms so that they were more accessible and streamable. Right. But immediately what occurs to me is just like the legal yeah. and li- the licensing headache you would be setting yourself up there, for. I, I, in most states, it's like take photographs. Like anybody can take a photograph and then you right. own the photograph. Right. If I take a photograph of of Linda Ronstadt or whatever. You own the photo of Linda Ronstadt. I own the Ronstadt. photo, but I can't make a t-shirt with Linda Ronstadt on it without right. giving Linda Ronstadt a cut. So – Like if I if I stream live recordings, I'm just you know, giving them away. I'm not making any money. There's no – nothing to – I'm not gaining anything from give, putting these recordings up. What you're doing is completely legal. Uh, or is it in I like guess. a gray? Is it in you a gray I mean, area? It's it's it, yeah, it's a gray area kind of because I'm not I'm not infringing on their licensing by selling anything, right? You know, and it's if you were selling the recordings, that would be a d- different story. Yeah, you know the 
that's back to the B word, the bootleg, the that stuff's as old as you know record presses. You know, right? There's that's how all the first yeah, records and it wasn't were done. always live stuff. Like there's bootleg Beatles records when the Beatles first took off. Hey, yeah, we got this. We got right. this record press here in Canada. Let's make up. Uh, I bet we could sell ten thousand Beatles records. Right, 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 you right. Know, and it's got funky covers. I don't That's know, a bootleg. Yeah, but that's that like somebody going a to a movie it. theater. Yeah. But with in the seventies, there's a there was um, this dude Mike uh, Miller. I'm thinking I can't remember his last name. He was he was going in taping Zeppelin and stuff, carrying like a reel, a reel, like <laughs> carrying that in. Yeah, and like. Figured out you needed some some nice mics. He'd carry these mics in. Then once cassette stuff came out, he was doing cassette. Right. And just sitting in the crowd with some not you know that that's how would he carry the reel to reel in without I don't getting know. Cut? there's there's stories. I, I don't know if there's a book about that dude, but recently uh, this man, the National, I think, put out. They were impressed by there. I think there was a story in like L.A. Times or something about this guy about the history about he recorded these shows and then a lot of those. Like Zeppelin, L.A. Forum show up on bootleg vinyl, and there's multiple pressings over the years of right, that stuff right. sold to diehard fans who, I mean, Led Zeppelin didn't have a giant output, so probably right. There's a and they're giant, giant band. Probably lots of Zeppelin boots out there. Yeah, tons of them. Yeah, and uh, the National set did put out a record store day release where they set up mics in the crowd. How novel and recorded. <laughs> They're set and put it out on cassettes too. That's really cool. Yeah, that's really cool. See, yeah. man, I'm so into that. Like, I think, I think that's such and a the, cool the thing. The Dead pioneered it. Yeah, yeah. You know, but even going farther back than that, like, um, who's the guy that uh, drove around the South, um, archiving like, a, oh, like um, the 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 stuff that was like done with the Library of Congress. Yeah, the Library it was of Congress like, is. A, at Mississippi John Hurt and yeah, that and kind Howlin' of Wolf and yeah. and all and Lead Belly Plantation songs, right? And prison songs, yeah. Um, they were like just kind of traveling around the country, like documenting, yeah. people, And and in some cases, bringing them to, yeah, dude. Like Lead Belly came playing for a giant auditorium of people, yeah. Like playing for a giant auditorium of well dressed, yeah. white people in like tuxedos and evening gowns. Yeah, and that guy went on there because it was a huge, right? Folk music kind of. They were people were documenting and singing. They were trying to figure out the oldest songs, document all the song human song catalog, right? You know, and the older the better, right? Middle medieval, medieval songs and. Then they're like, well, so we should document America's songs because there must right. be homegrown music here. And he went out and uh, started recording all that stuff. That's crazy. And brought it to the white audiences in New York that And that was when – Dude, that's – man, that's crazy. I'm sorry. I'm, I wish I could blank on I can't. I can't remember his name either, but I know exactly who you're yeah. talking about. No, and that's, that's just such a fascinating thing that like – That guy like – Set up mics and a recording device. Brought that type of music. Brought that it's type of music yeah. to the, to the public one, consciousness. One of a kind acts one time. Well, isn't it like a true definition of folk music? Is it's it's made up on the spot? Isn't that like part of the definition of true folk music? Yeah, but then continued and embellished. Maybe you know. Right, it's right, the same, right. You know, I, I know Doodle. Right or. 
Yankee like Doodle. <laughs> You know, no, that but, was like a war song, like right. uh, the soldiers sang and it just that made it a around. melody and it just altered into like what we know today. Right. It was more like it was it was the same thing as like like you're sitting around and you make a stupid song up with your friends, like that that like it's an inside joke with yeah, everybody sure. and that just like you know, it was a literal meme that like took yeah, off through yeah. through society, through the folks that made the folk music. No, I I, I and that's that's a very interesting comparison. Is but then into the dead, yeah. The I mean, the dead was a big proponent of the taping, but then a lot of bands. I mean, there's recordings of everybody, whether they let people put up right mic stands or not. Right, you know, there's. I always think it's. To I always this think day, it's, there's it's, it's, the there's a site Diamond Dozen that's been hosting live music for years and. I'll be blown away. Like I look on there and just be like, so and so, nineteen seventy-two. That's so cool. Like, that's just a tons of people have been recording live music. It's it's over like the years, and it's just it's not. Sometimes it makes it on official releases. Sometimes it, it's just out there. There's stuff that happens at those and, shows that is that never happens again. Yeah, you know. That there, guy in LA, there's a he was in the audience. One of the, I've heard one of those recordings, and you hear this Jimmy Page is going on in this solo, and you hear this guy in the vicinity of wherever he's sitting. He's like, "Play a fucking song, <laughs> boring." <laughs> and right before that, you're just listening, going, "Man, Jimmy Page is fucking kicking ass." And then you're like, "Oh yeah, maybe he's got a point." Right? Like, wrap this up, Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> that's fucking great. And that's dude. part of the, the appeal of live recordings and stuff. Like, and yeah, man. Li- like you said, listen back 12 years, you know, it brought back a lot of memories and you remembered all that night. That's with the archives so deep now. I'll listen back to shows that I, you know, recorded 20 years ago now. And it takes like, you way back. Wow. I'm working on, uh, I like recorded 30 shows about at the 15th Street Tavern. Holy shit. Of Dude, you should release that. I'm working on a best of uh, comp to put up on the blog. Dude, so, okay, so if there is so you have never had any legal trouble whatsoever with your archive. Nobody's... You've never gotten any cease and desist or the anything. Only, the only... Oh, I've only had one time I have a message on the blog that says if you don't want this up there, let me know. I'll take it down. And I've only had some one person contact me. What band was it? Uh, Bob Mold. Bob Mold didn't Bob, want Bob Mold's management. This, this, this woman contacted me and said, uh, in an email, like, "Well, well, Mr. Mold appreciates your enthusiasm. <laughs> he likes would like to, his tour to be a surprise for his." Okay. Fans. See, that makes sense. That's like when like, stand-up comedians no don't want you them. putting their yeah. shows up. Yeah. I totally get that. Yeah. I think at this point the tour is over. It was kind of early into that tour, but I and I don't know if maybe like You think they're just trying was to be playing diplomatic. Who's do shows at the end and Right. I mean, I'm not selling it. Right. Nobody wants to go to trouble to get a, get a lawyer to stop me from Right. giving Something away. So they asked you nicely before. Yeah. The, and the only other time, I didn't get a notice, but the the download links all got mysteriously uh, voided. Um, Ryan Adams played Sutietro, 7th and Santa Fe. Like it was a record store owner 
private event. Right. They decided to open up to the public and sold, I don't know, a handful of tickets. Right. And uh, I sat there in the crowd with some mics on my glasses. and uh, <laughs> I love that you put the, them in your glasses, dude. <laughs> the crowd was – the crowd was totally into it, quiet, and he was played there by himself. Uh, you, and it, but it's so quiet, like you can hear the chairs creaking. That's so and me cool. breathing occasionally. Like somebody commented that I, I was asleep. Like, <laughs> uh, that one. See, that's got so like cool. A total anomaly that got like fifteen hundred downloads. Oh wow! It did get a little push. There was a. Um, this blog in the Springs uh, called Fuel is Friends. She forwarded the link that I put up there, posted on the posted on hers. So right. That got a lot of traffic, but like fifteen hundred downloads, the link stopped working. Oh, of course. Yeah, and they're like, like somebody's getting some heat that doesn't belong. Somebody to complained, maybe. Hey, you know. Right. But I put it back up, and then it's, it's well. There are people whose whole down. job is to just go and, yeah. and nip that stuff in the bud. Yeah, but they didn't. Nobody protect copyrights me. and like, shit like that. And Ryan Adams had has in the past been been cool with people taping him. Like yeah. Over the years, there's somebody made these Ryan Adams comps called Bedhead, and there's like 15 volumes, and it started chronicling unreleased live songs that he played. Right. And there's just volume after volume after volume after volume. Dude. You know. And then once he got once he got uh, more established, a bigger act. No more taping. There was no taping. Whether right. he cared or not, I don't know. A lot of that's management. Management decisions. was probably like, yeah, I, we, no, we no, need we, to put a stop to that. Yeah. Though I think he still continued to record all his stuff. Dude, to me, a it's, lot of, to me, it's an honor if somebody wants to capture, like, like one of the, you know, one of the, one of the, I would say top eight. It's not in like the top three, but one of the top eight things that matter to us as a band is this idea of like a recording is literally a record. It is a record of an event. Yeah. And you could literally create something and you could literally create something and it could exist forever. Sure. Because theora- and this is theoretically, you could record something and after human beings have expanded into the universe as much as they possibly can mm-hmm. and their and our species evolves or diverts or whatever, I'm talking like millions of years in the future, like your music can get carried with all those subsequent generations onto other yeah. planets and even when anything or somebody was, uh, vinyl record theoretically right stored correctly could you know yeah gets fa- gets forever. found unearthed 100 years from now gets unearthed from an alien civilization in a million years and they have the technology to be able to do it and you could you could a million years from now resurface you could even to the very ends of the universe when, like, the last bits of life are being sustained by dying suns in the (laughs) furthest reaches of the universe, you could theoretically be discovered by someone in those future generations. You could possibly live forever. And I really feel like people who do what you do and, and record this stuff and and are passionate about keeping a record of it, like like our friend who 
you know, recorded all those blues bands and all those folk bands and stuff like that. Like the fact that he felt it was important to preserve that because that was presented by the Library of Congress, yeah, I think. Yeah, they funded it. Yeah. The, the, the folk music. Yeah, they funded yeah, it. He was recording on these like aluminum plates. They uh, thought that that was important. Yeah. They thought that documenting that that cultural Culture, anomaly yeah. was was worth documenting in our government library. Yeah. That is amazing to me. And I like like I was legitimately more excited that you had something in your archive that you had two recordings in your archives of bands that I was in mm-hmm. or bands that I'm in than I've ever been about any other recording <laughs> I've gotten, man. Oh, thanks. That was really cool cuz it's like Someone took the time to capture it and and thought that it was worth worth preserving in some way. And that is that is just so meaningful to me. And I think what you do is really cool. And I've been fascinated about it for a long time. And I'm really glad that you took the time to come and talk with me. Man. Oh, let me uh, let me say, um, given given that it's 20 years of recording, right? I recorded your band and I never got a copy to you, and you want a copy? Hit me up. I'll work out getting you a copy. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. understand some people. I've I've talked to people that are like, I don't ever want to hear that. We were so <laughs> Dude, bad I love it. But maybe some time has gone by. Maybe you have a fresh perspective on it. I even like the bad ones, dude. <laughs> I had um, Damien at Three Kings. He recorded the one and only show that I did as Aaron Howell's Gentleman Deluxe with oh, okay. um, Josh Finley, Gordo, and uh, Andy Burkaw. Oh, okay. And we just learned a bunch of country adjacent songs <laughs> dude we had a great I set it was list. fun yeah dude we did uh take this bottle by faith no more oh, perfect we did piss up a rope by ween all right we did uh lay you down by conway twitty right. we did big iron by marty robbins awesome. um sam stone by john prine like yeah i mean really? i love country music you yeah. know and and stuff that is inspired by country music so yeah. we did we did a lot of songs like that, nice. but I'm not a really great guitar player. I've gotten better, and we only had a few rehearsals, and everybody was just kind of on stage, unsure, and and you know it it didn't sound great. Nice. And I'm used to performing without a guitar in front of me, so my voice is all shaky, and I'm it's the yeah. first time it's the first time I've been super nervous playing music with a group of guys. You know what I mean? Uh, and Damien came up to me after it was over, and and I was kind of feeling awful about myself, but he gave me a CD of that. Oh, okay. And I thought that was so cool that he would be like, he would just be like, hey, man, I figured you'd want to commemorate this. Here you go. Oh, nice. Yeah. You know what I mean? That shit's cool. And whenever we've done shows where they on the road where they've offered the option of recording your band, I've always been like, absolutely, yes, I yeah, want to do that. Nice. Yeah. We've got, um, there's a show that's up on our website right now that was recorded at the Livewire in Chicago for a Turbo Yugen party. And the president of that chapter and I, uh, shout out to Marcus, uh, hope to get up to Virginia to see you at some point, buddy. Uh, it, he's, he's a German national who lives here in the U.S. Uh, cool. And he was the president of the chapter in, in Chicago for a while. And we got a recording of it. And he and I have been going back and forth talking about just – releasing it as a charity album, right. you know, just because it was so fun. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, 
I love that shit. And I think that if you're in a band and you're hesitating to do it because you don't think that people really care, there are a handful of people that come to see you on a regular basis that would love that shit. Yeah. At the very least, save it for an archive of your work. Yeah. You know, you don't even listen to it right away. Just file it away, revisit it. Show it to your kid. Show it to your kid. I can't, dude. I got to enjoy my kid thinking I'm cool as long as I can. Like, he's finally at the point where he, like, realizes I exist. Yeah. You know? <laughs> he realizes I exist, and he thinks I'm cool. Like, it's just started where he thinks I'm cool, and I'm like, all right. I got to enjoy this as long you as probably, I can. You've got about 13 good years. 13 good 14. years. 13. How many kids do you have? Uh, just one. You have one kid? How old How old's your kid? 32. You have a 32-year-old <laughs> child? I have grandchildren. You have grandchildren? How many grandchildren do you have? Two. Three. That's fucking awesome. Yeah. How do you like being a grandpa? Oh, it's cool. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, yeah man. I get on, on the ground floor of being a grandpa. I can, uh, That's so cool. It is cool, yeah. Yeah. How is it having a 32-year-old? Uh, it's cool. She's, she's, she's great. We, uh, it's fun uh, hanging out with her as an adult. Yeah. You know? And uh, her, kid, her kids are great. The grandkids are... Uh, Sweet little the, angels. What a I'm cool biased, grandpa. But, you know. Dude, that's that's <laughs> great, though. So, like, now as a grandpa, when your grandkids get a little bit older, you can be like, hey, kids, check it out. This is how you're going to talk when you're kids. <laughs> when you're grandkids. You'd be like, hey, kids, check it out. Uh, your grandpa used to be a pretty cool guy. I got all these concerts that I used to go to. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome, man. That's a truly awesome thing. It is. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. yeah. yeah well, she wasn't. She was a rough teenager. It was bad. She was a bad teenager. Yeah, she had her moments. Yeah, yeah. I I wonder I wonder if I. But she turned out so great. I'm like, wow, maybe I maybe I was a really actually a good father. Yeah, I, <laughs> <laughs> I tried the best I could. I, I mean, I think we doubt. Out. I, I think we doubt that no matter what we do. Yeah, you know, and I mean, just do the best you can. Yeah, love them all you can. I want. I just. wonder what kind of teenager I am. I've got coming to me, you know, because I was a fucking asshole. <laughs> but I'm, but because there's no f- fairness in the universe, because yeah. it's all chaos, I have this sneaking suspicion there will be no justice and I'll get lucky and have like a totally upstanding, like easy kid. <laughs> I'm, really ho- <laughs> I'm really hoping that there is no fairness in the world so that I don't get what's coming to me. I really hope that. Um, man, <laughs> dude, I didn't know you were a grandpa. That's fucking bitching. Um, well, that gives me something to look forward to, man. Yeah, yeah. Well, James, I really appreciate you coming and hanging out with me, dude. Yeah, thanks it's, for having me. I, I've, we have not, this is the most we've ever spoken. Yeah, continuously, sure. Yeah, yeah. This, is the, this is probably more, we probably said more words to each other in the last three hours than we have in the entire time that we've been acquainted. A decade, maybe. Yeah, a, 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 de- a decade of acquaintanceship yeah. for sure. It's and, it's it's tough. There's, uh, you know, I only see you out when you're working, right? And I'll tell so, you, dude. Yeah. I'm also. But I've always been glad to see you. Always, I've always been glad to see yeah. you too. Sarah says hi. By the oh, way. Oh right, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell her hi. Yeah, it, awesome. it's a, another big part of it. Is it's like. The reason why I work in the industries that I work in, the reason why I'm an entertainer and the reason I'm a bartender is because I love being around people 
but I also have social anxiety. Uh. And I feel uncomfortable and out of place, especially not drinking. I feel uncomfortable and out of place when I don't have something to keep me busy. I mm. like having a bar in front of me yeah. or I like having a microphone in front of me. Like I like Task at hand. You know, that's yeah. the thing is like I really like doing this and just sitting down and having conversations with people I'd like to get to know better. Yeah. But it's like I feel more comfortable having the computer and the mixing board and the microphones. Sure. Like, you know, like I love people. I love getting to know people. Well, I've been really enjoying your podcast and it's been and there's some people that I know kind of in the same passing way. We always say hi, we know each right. other. Like Karen. Yeah. You know, that was awesome to hear her stories and Yeah. I, I wanna get that. I wanna get there's so many people that I wanna get on here more. Um I talked to to Reed. Yeah, uh, I thought that was a good one too. That was a that was a great one. And I talked to Reed recently and he sent me a, a thank you text and he was just like he was like, I've been really enjoying your stuff. It's like a radio broadcast of all my friends, you know what I mean? He's like, he's like, and it's very helpful to a transplant like me. You know what I mean? Cause he, you know, he moves around a lot. Yeah, yeah. And if, if that's the most this is, is just being able to let people hear the conversations and the words of, of their friends. And it stays a very specific, small thing like that. I'm okay with that too. Yeah. Cause I think, you know, just like you document shows, like I think, there are so many conversations I wish I could remember I had with people because I know they were funny as fuck. Yeah. You know, the stuff that doesn't make it onto tape, which is usually the five, 10 minutes before we get on mic. Yeah. That shit is always gold, man. <laughs> it's always the best. And I'm always sitting there going, fuck, man, I wish I could get that, <laughs> that five, 10 minutes because it was so good. Yeah. It's important, man. It's important to document our culture. Uh, it's important, even even the very smallest corners of it. And I, I appreciate what you do. And I know, I, speaking on behalf of bands, independent bands everywhere, I really appreciate the shit out of it, man. And I appreciate your passion for f passion for the art form. Man, it's great. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, thanks so much for coming in, man. Thank you so much to all of you for listening to episode 89 of the motherfucking podcast. Uh, we'll be back next week. I think I got Muscle Beach on next oh, week. Oh, good one. See, but now I jinxed it. <laughs> I was trying to not name people, my, my next guests, because I was jinxing myself, and I've already jinxed it with Muscle Beach before, so I hope that that superstition to, uh, superstitions exist for no reason whatsoever and that they are just here next week. I'm really looking forward to that conversation. Um, we end every episode with the one for the homies shout-out. And I'm wondering if you have someone you'd like to give some love to, or maybe we could even tack on a piece of or an entire show, something that you you think deserves to be heard. Um, well, shout out to Muscle Beach. Those guys, Those guys are rule. Rad. Yeah. yeah, they're fucking rad. I made a pretty good recording of them at uh, – they played Black and Red at a record store day. You have that? Yeah. Can we use that? Uh, I can send it to you. Dude, I would love that. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a really good idea. <laughs> right. Let's do that. All right, so we're going to close out this episode with um, an excerpt from uh, Muscle Beach's That's the Thing About That session. All right. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening, guys. Thanks for telling a friend. Uh, we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Hey, guys. We're Muscle Beach. Thank you for tolerating the loudness. 
to a mutiny transmission you can find more podcasts videos books comics and records online at mutinyinfocafe.com or just stop in the store in denver and have a coffee sometime 